0: Like, like I feel like those people go home at night and they just they pick up the revolver and they <laughs> put it in their mouth <laughs> with, with and it. just give it one blank and click. They go, <laughs> like, Not tonight. Yeah. I'm going to give it one more day. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Junto. We are here. We've got the full cast with us. We got David. We got Nashi Oh, hello, and me. Of always, like always. So uh, this month we are going to talk about a book called "Killing Sacred Cows" by Garrett Gunderson. Thank you for that. And this is a, uh, well, first off guys, how did you, uh, like the book so far? I know David, this is your idea. This is the second or
1: third time you've read it. Yeah. So this is my recommendation after, uh, your BFF destroyed us last time with her awful nature book. Um, <laughs> I are, am so glad I did not take part in that. Good Lord, you missed
0: it. Man, I missed.
2: I, I really just missed out yeah. on that. I feel awful. So, I really do.
0: I'm going to say, though, real quick, that I feel like we did a fantastic job we, of filling 45 to an hour on a book that just wasn't that great. We definitely made so, it interesting. yes. You she being long-winded, us, I cannot
2: not imagine how you could do that.
0: No, I feel like it was very entertaining
1: and yeah. delicious. Yeah. Well, Tons of of fan mail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got a few letters. Um, So I read this book three years ago, and it was kind of a game changer for me. It was one of those light bulb moments where it just made me think about things a lot differently. And I was excited to get back into it. And I got back into it, and the first two chapters, I was just sitting there like, what was I thinking three years ago? I was really struggling getting through the first two chapters. It was so boring to me. And I actually have a friend reading it right now. I recommend it. She was having the same problem. She's like, what is this? Well, anyway, as soon as I got through the second chapter, it started to pick back up. It started to click and I saw all my highlights and I'm like, yes, these are the moments. So I don't know what it was with the first two chapters. So if you get into this book and it's a little slow, just keep pushing, keep pushing. Cause it's a, uh, it's a mind bender a little bit. Yeah. How many chapters are there? Nine, I believe. Okay. I so there are nine total myths.
0: They're yes. not when he, and when he says go through two chapters, it, it's not like just massively insane. Like they're not, they're not. Uh, it takes about fifty pages to get through the first two chapters. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's not like all right, just keep pushing halfway through the book. No, yeah, correct. And
1: this is not. Uh, it'll pick up. Lord Game of Thrones the or some shit. Game of Thrones. That's more accurate. Did anyone read those books? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say absolutely. How were they? Should that be our next Junto? You guys would not make it. No
0: way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to make that. No. Barbara
1: can't read good. <laughs>
0: I read. There are not good nearly enough pictures in that. But damn, that's a big one. Well, if we read that one, then I get to pick the next one and we're going to read the uh, Tachaveli.
1: Dude, if we read Game of Thrones, I'm we not won't, reading Tachaveli. We won't review it <laughs> until February. <laughs> Taco Belli's like been there, tried that, not I, doing it again. I <laughs> like, bought it because it got
0: referred uh, so many times, referred to so many times in a couple of the books. I bought it. I saw the picture on uh, Amazon, and I'm like, "All right, yeah, that's no big deal." Did not look at the page. It's like two thousand pages. The, I mean, I'm serious. It's like five inches thick. I was like, "Oh my god!" And they are tiny, tiny. Letters. I'll Try to finish that it's before like, like, I die. And like, it's uh, dense. Oh, it's there's so, no skimming that book. Like, no. No. <laughs> Nash, what would you think? <clears throat> Although you didn't finish it, uh, I liked it. Um, I know we six start, weeks we'll on an audio table, about, yeah. on an audio
2: book. A little distracted here and there. Um, no, it was really good. I uh, so as always, I do the audible. Um, so my instant review of the audible. Uh, it's read by the author. Cheater. He is uh, entertaining.
0: It's mm-hmm. not, it's not one of those audibles
2: that you just struggle to get through because you're just like, Oh God, this is going to be a beat down.
0: You can tell that he's, so I've heard some of it. You can definitely tell that he, um, is a public speaker. Yes. Like he puts the, he talks about these concepts yes. often in seminars and in front of large audiences. And you could definitely, I could tell that like right off the bat within, and I didn't listen to a ton of it. Well, good. Yeah, I I kind of felt the same, man. I thought it was great. I actually... The second chapter, I think, is on accumulation. Is that the second
1: myth? You're in for the long haul and is the accumulation theory of wealth. Yep.
0: Okay, so that one, I actually loved that one. That's kind of the one that really started to pull me in because he talks about... um, It reminded me, and I even, my dad was here one of the days and I was reading. He's like, what are you reading? Because the name, the title looks or sounds kind of crazy. And it was awesome. He, and he describes my father and my we've talked about it too. So it's not a secret, but he, he is very much the old school mindset of like reduce expenses, save everything until you retire. When you retire is the most, um, important part of life and the whole plan and the whole point of everything. So I liked that. <clears throat> and I think overall, just just as a quick generalization, what I've told a few people that I've encouraged to read it is it does make you, it kind of just, he does a good job of encouraging you to challenge and rethink some of the things you've done. And it's not all financial, but a lot of it's financial and how you've treated your money, looked at your money, and spent your money. Um, and I think he does a good job of that. And well, he's not saying that like some of these things are just, just because they're a myth. He's not saying they're just complete evil. Other than in the 401k, I think he pretty much just says it's evil. Not a fan. No, he's <laughs> not. Um,
2: and we talked uh, about that a little bit of like, I, and I think that's <clears throat> what I liked, but also had some contention with is I think it's good about getting you to think about money differently than most mm-hmm. people are, are kind of brought up thinking about money. Right. At the same time, I think just an entry level of thinking about money would be good for 90% of the population. I don't think I don't most it, people think about saving at all. I mean, when they, right. when you look at the statistics and mm-hmm. what is it? that The average uh, boomer has like, what, $12,000 to their name or wow. something? I, I look at the average millennial of our age has like $5,000 or negative net worth at this point in time in their mm-hmm. life. And it's like, yes, I like this. And for those people who are a little bit more financially savvy, I think it's great because it does kind of get you going, oh, maybe that money just sitting in a mutual fund that performs at 7% year over year, maybe I could take that and buy into a business. Or take some of it. Yes, yes. So I I like that. My black and white mentality of things of not necessarily gray area was I didn't necessarily like that he said, oh, savings, you shouldn't do that. And it's like, okay, uh, like, it's good. It definitely makes you think about things. Again, any book we read,
0: take it with a grain of salt. Of course. And I think that's where- I will not. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's where most authors- I've actually lived outside since Nature Fix. Yeah. I haven't slept inside once.
2: Just saying. Good night sleeps? Oh, delicious. Right. Way less Pain, cancer, really
0: healthy, very healthy. No stress, Lyme no disease. depression. No. no, yeah, maybe a little bit of, I think, I have malaria now. <laughs> There's about 14 million it mosquitoes out there. Yellow.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I liked, you know, <clears throat> you're talking about that people just need to be thinking about money more. And that was one of his points with the accumulation theory is that what you're taught is whatever the amount is, put 10% away in your 401k. Yeah. Don't think about it, don't look at it, let it go. And that causes the problem of, well, now you're not thinking about your money. Now you're not looking for ways to be proactive. And you're just trusting in the process. You're trusting in the market, which is eventually going to cause issues. Now, Nash, to your point, most people struggle with money and they need an automatic savings plan or yes. it's going nowhere. Yeah. But, or it's just getting spent on Taco exactly. like Exactly. It's going to Amazon and it disappears. With, mm-hmm. with his it's point. funding Bezos's flights to
2: space. Exactly. His penis ship. So that that was so toned down. <laughs> Did you guys see the interview?
1: No. Oh yeah. Oh, no, that he had I, afterwards. The the work. What publicist
2: let him up there to say that he's just like the work that I, all I, our
1: employees put in. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> like
2: I want I want to thank all my employees and all my customers. You guys paid for this.
1: Those nice. were his words. Nice. Amazing. The only he's done a I've lot seen, of work. Done by the way. Oh, yeah, he looks. He kind of looks like Courtney Cox. He's kind of turning looks like into Doctor Evil.
0: Doctor Evil. Mm. Have, you, Have seen you seen the, the comparison video of the, ones? The, no. pro, the progression Holy of his laugh. Shit.
2: He's got the villain laugh down to a T. But they did it like back in the early '90s when he was first being interviewed. was like ha 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 ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's like
1: The other part of the accumulation theory that I liked is. Quit thinking about cutting your expenses. Yes, right? I like that. So Love this you. book, the, the the main thing I talked or got in my head three years ago was get away from the scarcity mindset and get into the abundance mindset, which is stop thinking about how much I can save every month and start thinking about how much can I make, right? And obviously, there's pros and cons with that. I'm not saying you just go on a spending spree, but we can only cut so much. But we can produce unlimited amount
2: well the example he used of like i spent he goes i went through my finances and i spent 10 hours and i cut out like 200 dollars of my you know monthly or whatever which first off it took him 10 hours to do that i could cut 200 dollars <laughs> like real easy taco bell let's nix that one for a little while garrett um, might be on steven's whoa. level yeah <laughs> whoa yeah i know i know, I know like that's It'll cut taco bell okay <laughs> It's not but, where we go to cut bills. That's called
1: opportunity cost right there. But
2: that's, and that's, you know, he, <laughs> he talks about, of, okay, so we spent 10 hours. What could he have done in those 10 hours of looking at other options that could have netted him more mm-hmm. than that 200? And I think that's, those are those higher level financial conversations. And kind of to go off a little bit on a tangent on that, when people look at, okay, well, I can invest in this like steady mutual fund performing at 5%. Or I could, you know, like, oh, I'm going to save this money instead of paying off student loan debt. Like, I have this conversation with people in real estate all the time where they're like, oh, I'm going to put more, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep paying off my, or I'm going to pay the minimum on my student loan. I'm like, what's your interest on in your student loan? Eight, nine, 10%? It depends on where it's at, yeah. What are you doing that is earning you eight, nine, or 10%? Right. Like, if you look <clears throat> at that as a negative percentage of interest versus you're investing and in making a positive six percent, you're better off paying the debt. Like, and that is one of those like it, it doesn't yep. feel good or make sense, but when you start looking at a little bit higher level of like, okay, I could put this towards something. And if you can find something that's growing at 12% return, then yeah, do that. Don't don't pay the student right. the debt off. But if your investments are performing at four to six percent, Put it towards the debt. I mean, pay that off. Get rid of that because you're that's extra money that you are not making. And I think that's I liked when he said that because that, that was that two hundred dollars I could save a month and spend ten hours. Or could I have gone and looked at some businesses I could invest in that would in the long term yield me probably infinite me yeah, infinitely more. He's
1: money challenging money. you to just look at the bigger picture. Yeah. And this is where we get to, you know, attack the Dave Ramsey model a little bit. And I'm sure he's a listener of the podcast. So I'm, I'm sorry. But come on, Dave, call he him. He absolutely is. Yeah.
0: Dave, he's, if you want, man, you could just text me.
1: Yeah. Um, if you have a rebuttal, just go ahead and tell us now. But, you know, his messaging to a lot of people is, um, you know, pay off all the small ones first, right? Because he's speaking to the masses and kind of to your point for the masses, some of this would be challenging because they don't have the fundamentals in the first place, which is why he can sit there and say, Hey, pay off the small ones first because it's brain power, right? You, it feels good. It helps you feel good. But in reality, it's the the stupidest financial decision in the world because if you've got a 5% loan compared to a 15% loan, you got to get rid of that 15%. It's eating you alive, right? <laughs> yes. So that's your first priority. It's all kind of the same thing is that no matter where you are on the spectrum of, you know, your financial wisdom, you need to just look at things in a different way. You need to educate yourself. You need to be reading books like this and other things. So you don't just listen to one piece of advice and say, that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, and that's, that's why I'm still poor.
2: You know, I, I, I look at this cause that's, Mentors that I've had that have done very well long-term, they look at their investments not as one or two things, but as buckets. So they're going, I want 10 different streams of investment. A 401K is one of those. A life, in, you know, life insurance policy is one of those. My current property is one of those. Rental properties is another one of those. Businesses that I own are like, so they're not just going, okay, I'm whole, I'm whole into one. Because as markets shift and change, you're going to see performance change on each one of those buckets. So it's good to be diversified. But I, like I said, I, I going back to the point we made, I like that this challenges a lot of those just to get you to think about money a little differently.
1: In this chapter, they talk, so he he's attacking the accumulation theory, which is what Stephen brought up. This is so where we're starting on chapter two, and we'll probably get into this later, but he talks about instead of accumulating for 30 to 40 years and not being able to touch this money, he wants to go for the utilization theory, which is let's do something that we can use. He talks about velocity, right? Let's maximize this now. Let's not sit on our hands for 40 years, which is why, so and and the reason I said we're going to get to this later, because there's a whole chapter on it, but I love permanent life insurance. I love it because I can use it now. I can plan for the future. I can sit on it. But at the same time, if a business opportunity comes up, I can pull all that cash out and go use it. Whether it's start yes. a business, stick it into an investment, stick it into real estate. Is that what I have? I don't have to yes. wait. Okay. I don't. You're welcome. Hey, you just trust, trust the guy, <laughs> trust the guy. was, he Hey, just put money in this. And I was like, all right, right. sounds good. But put you money can, in it. <laughs> but it goes to that utilization theory is that I but don't I, have, I don't have to wait till I'm I got that almost dead
2: to go against it. everything we're saying right now. I got that statement in the mail the other day and I looked at it. And I was like, oh, nice little hey, man, nice man. little
1: sizable chunk of change. There like, there. Yeah. I was like, that's good job, nice. Yeah. Like, okay. Cool. And <laughs> your next rental property pops up that you go. want. I got, I got money to use right now. Yes. You, you pull it out, you put it into play and instead of getting hit with penalties and taxes out of your 401k, well now you're making more money and you're making it faster. Mm-hmm. So he talks about that <clears> and he <throat> has a whole chapter on kind of the permanent life strategy, but I, I, I love that. It's, but I, I would like him to kind of attack this. And again, this is
2: wishful thinking, because I know the purpose of this is to get you thinking at a higher level. I wish he would also twofold attack this of get your base set up and then start utilizing cash because he's kind of coming from a perspective of you just have this surplus
1: of money there that you can, like... To be fair, his whole book is attacking financial myths, so he's not necessarily setting up your pyramid. Correct. Yeah, and that, and that yes. So, yeah. like, not, you that would be mine. Go
2: to the, again, grain of salt because... Yeah, you're not going to, if you're making, if you're a teacher and you're making 50 grand a year, you're not going to be able to go buy a business.
1: But. Well, not necessarily, but. What if you started tutoring
0: online? So he does talk about, though, there's an example where I think she was a teacher and she was a little older and she was a client. And she had money and he's talking about the um, the 401k and she didn't want to spend it because of this. Uh, or she wanted want to take penalty. it out because of the penalty. Yep. The penalty. And he's like, okay, so if we walk through this, you had this huge business plan, get this mass. And his biggest thing was his her passion. Like, this is what you want to do. You're confident in it. You love doing it. Yeah. Why not do it? And she's like, well, and it's going to take, she had to take $200,000. I don't even think she had to drain it, but she had to take 200 grand. Right. Out. And he's like, so just take it out. And she's yeah. like, but the penalty. And he's like. Is Do you think not, you're gonna make more than ten percent on this? Well yeah, but he's also like, so this is your dream, right? Like yeah. this is what you want and you love doing it, and you've shown in pretty much every model that you've looked at, you're gonna make more than that two percent, ten percent within yeah. the next within it'll pay for itself within the first couple years. Yeah. He's like, But the mentality, because she was so dead set on just not paying that fee. That's just something she just hadn't even like. She's like, no, I can't do that. Well, it's a scarcity like, mindset. Right. And, and it is. Because
2: it's scary. 100%. It's scary. And that that is one I think I definitely have one of those where I'm like, I just I want to stockpile it away. I want to have that money. Because I know I'm one, I have a pretty good savings. But I'll look at my checking account and it gets low. And I'm like, oh, geez, I got I to gotta, I gotta be, be careful. I got to be careful. And then I'm like, wait, I have like five different savings accounts that are all <laughs> great. Like, what? What am I worried about? Right. Like chill out, Nash, take a breather. Like it's okay. Yeah. But again, it's that, it's, comfort. Sk- it's yeah. that it's comfort. Yes. Yeah. It's stability there. And I, I, but I like that this challenges you and kind of pushes you to go. Okay. Yeah. What else could I do with that?
1: I, I loved your example that you brought up because I've even fallen victim to that on the, the penalty. Right. So I mean, oh, I, yeah, we sure. coach clients every day and it, I even called myself out reading that. Like I always tell people, oh. There's a ten percent penalty there, but when you put it into those terms, are you going to put that into something you're passionate about and make more than ten percent? Yeah, do it. Saying, you're not saying
0: take it out and just buy a
1: boat, exactly. Right? Like it's, right. Okay, so you now I do have business. to tell clients all the time they want to, and it, it's mainly our Hispanic clients. So for any listeners out there in that boat, just mark this time real quick. They to want delete it. They want to pay off their mortgage.
3: Yeah. Pay off your uh, 3% mortgage yes, yes, and pull
1: yes, it out of your 401k. It's like, come on, right? <laughs> they're, they're not going to pay off a, a, or start a business, right? right? So, you know, it's funny. And we see that with, um, you know, whether it's a certain race or a certain age segment, right?
0: But Some of those goes, ideas are more- cultural values. Exactly. They're more drilled in like, to their head
1: because yeah. they've been brought up that way. Whether it's sitting on cash or staying away from banks or paying off debt. Some of this stuff is really hard to overcome for some people. I have that conversation Dude, with people
2: all the time with, with real estate when they buy. First-time homebuyers. Because one of those big myths that everybody hears is 20% down. Yep. That was our parents' generation. That was the boomers and the Gen X. That's all they ever heard was 20%, 20%, 20%. And right now, interest rates are so stupid low that I'm like, all right, let's run these numbers of, we're going to say $100,000 house. Good luck finding that. It's not going to happen. 20% down, 20 grand. You're going to put 20 grand down on this house at a 3% note. Great. You could also go get a conventional loan that's 5% down. Take mm-hmm. that extra 15 grand. And right now with the stock market the way it is, I want to talk about it because one of his quotes made me laugh.
1: Put it all in Dogecoin. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> Doggy coin.
2: Good but God. <laughs> everything is outperforming 3% right now.
1: Exactly. You think, just think differently.
2: Yeah. Like don't do that. Like it's yeah. not our parents' world. Yeah. Like don't like you let leverage that money. And I don't mean leverage it to the hilt because that's a whole other. I mean, if you're willing to take that risk on high risk, high reward, you could leverage it and go get a loan for 400 K and buy a commercial lot for that. Don't do it
1: unless you right. know what you're doing. And I challenge business owners this all the time to get that question all the time. Do you own your building?
2: Buy it. Why? Why, why? why would you not buy that building? Like if you can.
1: So yeah, let's there's, talk about it. there's my anti-argument, right? So <clears throat> why put it in something where I wrap up the equity that's not going to pull in a cash flow if I could go put that money into a 100% investment property and get cash flow out, right? So instead of occupying, let's say, half of my building and only get a portion of the income, what if I go buy multiple investment properties and they're 100% cash flow, And I'm okay renting, right? Because I'm going to get more return because I'm not occupying any of the space. True, and it's also kind of just a different way to think about. And it's all about just challenging the status quo. None of them are wrong. You set up, or
2: or you set up your business as an LLC who buys the building, and you have that as an investment LLC, and then you have your personal business pay your LLC
1: the rent. See, look how many ways there are. You write
2: write off the rent, and you're also cash flowing
0: on the building. And we're
1: challenging the things that you're just supposed to do by thinking about money in a different way. Yes.
0: And and I think he does a great job in the book of giving the side side notes. Cause he talks about that, about buying your building and not taking loans. And I'm and we're gonna get to that too. But it's it's but then he also says like it's not that he's saying there's never a situation where that where buying the building makes sense. The situation is look at it and say, okay but if i have a commercial loan and my building is this and the commercial loan's giving me a 5% down or a 10% i don't have to put 40% or something crazy because there's areas where you you're to get a commercial or a small business loan depending on the finances of your business you may have to put a massive yeah. amount of money down yeah. and then it's like okay i can't i don't want to do that even if i could cuz i could make it i could cash flow better somewhere else or you could be in a situation where you could get the building pretty without having to to just lay down a massive amount of money. And then you're better off buying the building because then you're not having to pay rent. And then you could build equity and use that to then buy something else with, well, I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but you could refinance it. So he
1: gave the example, I think it was in this book, about the lease to own situation, right? Mm -hmm, Was that mm -hmm. in here, right? So just thinking about the money differently, not necessarily having to come up with a big down payment, but working with an owner. Yeah, just ask. Yeah, just make, make payments. Man, right. It's
0: amazing. Some of that was crazy. Now, I know you mentioned this, and, I, and we kind of blew over chapter one. Normally, we do like our like top three. So, if you've never listened to this podcast, normally we do kind of like three ahas or three things that stuck out to us when we kind of alternate. I feel like there's so much crap to unpack in this book. This one's going to be, I, this I one's think we're going to jump around a little bit more. On we're going to have just to, because, because. this is going to be a long podcast. <clears throat> and
1: buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah,
0: yeah bitches. Um, was wow, a little aggressive. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Please don't cancel it. My kids watch. See, oh, Oof. and they watch it. Listen. It's incredible. I um, acted out for them while they, <laughs> while they listen to your voice. So the, um, the first thing was scarcity, and you said scarcity, and I do think that it's not, I think we hear it more, but I think scarcity is so insanely important. Um, not having the scarcity, like, yeah, just being aware. Cause I've told people, I'm like, look, just don't have a scarcity mentality in your business or if you're starting a business. Cause I've been in networking groups before and people are like, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, you cannot, you you don't, just because if you figure something out, don't use your secret sauce or your secrets formula for success and then just hoard it to yourself and not help other businesses that are similar to yours you need to reach out because there might be a company or a business that's been around for 25 years doing the same thing you're doing. There's mistakes those people made that you need to know. It would be incredibly valuable if you could go to that person and go, Hey, tell me the worst things, the biggest mistakes you made. So I don't have to do them, but Hey, I figured this out and I can tell, I'll tell you what I do. If you'll help me with what you do. And I'll tell you right now, me and David probably would never have been friends if our... because We're friends. Well, no, we're not. Was I take recorded. that back. This is live. I'm deleting all of that part. Damn, we would not bad. be business associates or acquaintances if we had the scarce mentality. Because I have 100%. learned... 100%. David brought me to a... a um, for only God, other than just, I guess... Inter- Still have no clue. Entertainment reasons uh, <laughs> is the only reason I got invited back. Because I have a speedo, but it's um, so much there, so much there to. Oh yeah, have to just. He's I would say someone else. Stay to unpack, on course. But Stay on course. It's not a lot to unpack, Can't unpack Spit that. out your message. No, it's, it's not much. It's not much to unpack. But <laughs> the, well, okay. I mean, a little bit of bone! That's a small wiener joke. So and accurate. So we. <laughs> But I get invited to this this study group, and and I have learned so much. I was by far the youngest agency there, and worst. Um, oh, of course. When I literally when I first went there, I hadn't even been there, been and uh, owned an agency for a full year yet. And you know, David and a few of these other guys had had it for however many years—five, six, seven, ten years. I think he's a thirteen-year guy. So I was able to learn from them, and had we all had this massive scarcity mentality, there is no way that group would even exist. And think about how much further talk about velocity, how much have we learned that's pushed our businesses so many years further than having to learn it all on our
2: own. Oh my God. Light years. He rails on compound interest pretty frequently in the book, but I think this is somewhere where compound interest, not by pure definition applies in spades of, If you can save that mistake 25 years ahead by listening to somebody who was doing that, who's been doing it for 25, 30 years, if you can set yourself on a trajectory at a steeper incline by not doing those things, that's where that compound interest now starts to take where it's like, ooh, I could make a slight change and I'm now on that upward trajectory six months faster, which now Mm -hmm. means I'm doubling at a quicker rate than I would have been if I didn't if I was just blindly stumbling through mistakes on my own.
1: Yeah. I like that you went back to chapter one because we kind of skipped over it. And <clears throat> looking back though, it really reminds me that whole, the scarcity versus abundance mentality, you know, what he starts off with is we kind of think about our world where if we, le- if we win, somebody loses. Mm-hmm. And that's really not how it is. It it, it can always be a win-win situation. It's about not, sharing zero knowledge. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're talking about us bringing you into the study group and things like that, you know, so this year I started the, the coaching group, right. Where I'm literally telling my closest neighbors and competitors what we're doing. Right. And now we're all winning together. That doesn't mean I'm losing because I'm sharing, you know, one of my friends made that joke outside of insurance. He's like, what, what's the deal? The competition wasn't stiff enough. So now you have to help them out. And, And it's like, we're we're having the best year we've ever had, and we're also telling everyone else what we're doing, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and all the ships rise together, and it's so much fun to have that mentality that like there doesn't need to be secrets. If I've got something good, so let me much, give it to you. There's so much business out there. We're in the DFW
2: packs. What are there? Nine million people here. It's yeah. a trillion. Yeah. Thing. Like I was, I was talking <laughs> with. Uh, with hey, a, I just a saw lender. Fort Worth
1: moved up uh, from thirteen to twelve. Largest cities in the country. Congratulations, so, Steven. That's not a good thing. It's no long, a, we don't, don't, was, no, no one in Fort Worth small is happy town. about that at
2: all. <laughs> I was talking to a lender one time. We are doing a mastermind. And uh, he was like, you do realize that you could be the Game of Thrones realtor and have more. Than, like he goes, you could pigeonhole yourself down to the most niche market mm-hmm. ever and still have more than enough business. Like yeah. he goes, think <laughs> about how many Game of Thrones fans there are in the DFW Metroplex. Go be the Game of Thrones realtor, like that has nothing to do with each other, but that's you something
1: totally good. do that. But like, <laughs> I can imagine you the market. Do something with like the
0: pedophile market with that mustache <laughs> you got going on right now, Father of Dragons, glorious. You could be the father of Ted Lasso, <laughs> just Ted Lasso people.
2: But uh, like, Lasso. it was one of those, and that kind of bleeds
0: over to like, I, I'm fine telling competition what I do. There is more than enough business to go around. Like, so I mean, and I think this goes, and he does go deeper than just finances or business it and I I agree with him in tenfold I think there there's so many nuances to that mentality and the way you live your life just as a human and it is incredible when you if you carry this scarcity mentality through every and I do think it I I kind of wrote it down this it's kind of like a it's it's kind of a, just a cancer that grows into everything you do yeah and Like, I move here, and all of a sudden, you know, most people, I think, can do a pretty good job. But think about how much it can affect just stupid crap like your lawn. I've never had St. Augustine, and I have St. Augustine now. The people across from me have St. Augustine. Their St. Augustine looks great. And to be able to walk over and be like, hey, I don't know what are you doing, and I don't know how often you water this thing. Like, if you had the scarcity mentality of where you're just, you know, no, I want I, I want lawn of the month. I can't I can't yeah, tell I can't you how talk you get this, anybody nice, it. I'm this not gonna, nice of a yeah, lawn. Yeah, that's so ridiculous, yeah. but it does bleed. It can bleed into everything, um, and I think that I think sometimes it gets it gets disguised as just being competitive. Yeah, look, I'm just a competitive person, I like to win. But just like David said, it's it's all ships rise together, which is such a stupid cliche thing to say, but very true. It's Thank incredibly you. true. It just sounds really dumb. Or Coming out of my mouth. Yeah, and I just...
1: This podcast is brought to you by Coach P Consulting for all of your <laughs> insurance whoa, whoa, whoa. needs. No, he hasn't paid for that yet. Please come see us. I'm working on a long drink sponsorship.
0: I know, I'm working on Audible because we need to get Audible <laughs> on this bad Ooh, boy. Big money. Yeah, big big more money.
1: Then you can afford to upgrade your grass. Mm,
0: God, Zoysia would be great. Ooh. Anyway,
1: so... um, guy it. across the street. Oof, Ooh.
0: He's got Zoysia and it is... Like carpet. It's like just roll around in it naked. I only do that at night, though, when he's not around.
1: Damn visuals. Get out of my head. Yeah, that's so,
0: um, I have no idea where we're going now. So so scarcity, when, like I talked to a guy who is also an insurance agent, and he was really good at selling this one product, this one way, presenting it. He went around the company, explained it, or no, he wouldn't at first, And he would not, and he always sucked. So when it, you either got like, he was really good at selling a certain type of life insurance, but he wasn't as good at selling the PNC, which is like the home and auto stuff. Okay. And so for, it took him, and he told me this face to face. He's like, man, one of the biggest mistakes I made in my business was I had this way of selling this certain life policy and it works really well and it can make you some good money. But I never told anybody because it was mine. It was That's kind of who made me. I owned it. If this was my thing. And he's like, looking back, because he started again. He, so we were, this was after he taught me how to do it and how to sell it and just explained it. I mean, half the time I was just explaining how it works. And he was like, we make so much money off of home and auto. I wish I could go back 15 years and teach everyone how yeah. to sell this life so that they could teach me what they were what doing to sell the were. home and auto. Yeah. And he's like, but it got to the point where he realized he should do that, but he couldn't reach out to anybody because he hadn't taught anybody anything. And people had reached out to him and he shut them down. Yeah. And he just burned so many of those bridges that, you know, me and some other people, as we started reaching out to him who were much newer agents, didn't know he was, you know, used to be like that. He's like, absolutely. Come, when do you want to come? I'll, I'll, I'll buy you lunch. Just because he wanted to sit down with me and be like, "How are you selling this? How yeah. are you? What are your processes?" Yeah, and man, just to, to see somebody like that that you think is successful, almost haunted by this, like, man, what I could, what my business could be, where we could be at, had I not just looked at this with some kind of ridiculous scarcity mentality, and I've yet to meet a really successful business owner who is, who has a scarcity mentality. Now I do think we've talked about it before. Yeah, with, I can't think of. Really, any of them, <laughs> I, and I do think it's easier for us to sit here and say that with, um, especially with businesses in such a massive market. I think it would be True. a little bit different yeah, if yes. we lived in a really small town because I think of Derek, mm-hmm. and it's he they don't share as much. Insurance agents don't share as yeah, much with each other. They don't but talk it's at a, all. It's a fraction of well, the yeah, amount of people if, that we have. If you're in
2: a small town and you have 15 insurance agents in, you know.
0: Well, 30, 30, some of them have 30,000 30, what if you've got 4 yeah
2: and you've right? 30,000 people yep. it's like oh okay yeah like that market share is much smaller like
0: so I you think, do want to have, have your own value stands.
2: proposition
0: sure but but i still think it stands that you you there's still ways you guys can help each other and you could take care of each other i just think it's much easier for us to stay away from that scarcity again at least in business, when you have I guess there's so many 10 people. trillion people yeah. that live in a like, stupid city, yeah, like it, you can it go, doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, like, okay, he was selling life insurance. Did he sell it to all 9 million people in the metroplex? He wishes. Yeah, yeah I mean. That'd be amazing. But yeah, like. <laughs> in what the greatest life insurance salesman in yeah, the history of the planet. But yeah, like, in what way was he doing that? Like, it would be okay if he told somebody mm-hmm. over in Dallas how to do this. Because there's probably 5 million people that he's never going to have the opportunity to get himself in front of.
1: Like, Absolutely. So. All right. So what else? What else you got? That's chapter one and two. Yeah. So chapter three, the myth is it's all about the numbers, right? And, and the idea there is that so many people are pushing to this retirement number, right? Mm. My number is 1.75 oh, yeah. million. And I'm just going for that. And what he's challenging is it shouldn't be a number. It should be what's making you happy. Like, what are you wanting to do with your life? What are you passionate about? And that shouldn't stop or change just because you're retired. So it's about having a goal that flows with your lifestyle and not trying to hit some random number. Absolutely. I liked that. And and it kind of put it into perfect words for me when he said, talking about happiness. So... Loving your family. You're welcome. Right. Um, would you like 17 happiness or $250 worth oh of happiness? Goodness, you love your and wife's it's 29? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, what, what does that What does the that hell do the numbers matter if you're yeah. not getting out of life, what you're looking for? Yeah. So right? I read this and I think I told Renee this
0: and I've, I've been trying I kind of forgot about. It. I want to, I'm going to continue to use this. That I love her 253 happiness points <laughs> or love points today. Really feeling like 27.5 today for you. Just letting you know. Thanks. I appreciate Just that. Not that out there for you, because you're right. It's absolutely. It makes. It's completely asinine. That whole concept makes no sense when you put it in those terms. To say that to someone, which honestly, I think if anybody told me that, it would be the. It'd be a great comment. <laughs> hilarious.
1: Thank you. I yeah. mean.
2: Jeez, that is so Except awesome. for when Tony Stark said it. He said, I love you
1: 2,000. 3,000. Come on, do you guy. Know what, do you know why that is? No, I don't. Please tell us, nerd. Is there a backstory? Yeah. Oh, a, God. Like, Here come the glasses. an Easter egg?
2: <laughs> I love you a ton. 2,000 pounds? 3,000? I think it was three. Lo- yeah, but he's saying, I love you more. I love you a ton. Like, oh, in you said, God. I love you a ton, I love you 3,000.
0: <laughs> yes, he is right. That's exactly because 1,500 is half a ton. Mm, damn it.
1: You're so smart. Where am be. I? Are you an engineer by trade? oh God no, <laughs> no, he's not. He wouldn't be here if he was <laughs> no
0: we wouldn't be talking to him.
1: I'm so glad that I learned that, yeah, thank you, you, yeah, That's some nice trivia uh... <laughs> <laughs> riveting people riveting, so yes, I love that um. Man,
2: I, I, so, I put I put passion over security like literally on this page. I have like three times, yes, Which, and I like that he said that. I mean, I, I'd like that he's going back to that again. It gets a little airy fairy, and I it, it does drive it just do what you love. I, I get that. See, I, I'm super torn on that because it's one of those like find something that you enjoy doing. I think is probably because like. I think we were all raised on just do what you love and the money will come. Okay, well, if you love playing video games, sorry, there may not be a whole lot of money there for you. Like you probably find mm-hmm. something that you enjoy that works with
0: that. At the end of the day, a job is a job. So I think what you're getting at is what I wrote down too because I agree with you. And
1: I'm not super um, smart, happy, good looking, straight, Whoa. Whoa.
0: Uh, mostly straight, though. Super what? I'm not super happy. Like, <laughs> I'm just not... That's not my, my personality. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not 2 kidding. 2.4. Like, yeah, I'm like a three and a half you, You're not points. driven by... Like, uh, I'm... I'm not, like, I'm not happy,
2: optimistic. But also not unhappy. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Like,
0: yeah, I don't... I'm way less sad. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's a song. I like that song. Um, but I am... Um, like I'm not the kind of person that's always been like, well, you just got to like, I don't I don't just shit rainbows. I don't, I don't get it. Um, the people like that that just seem I've, I'm way too cynical, I guess, of people yes. that are just way over the top. Like I'm, that's, I that's don't think the greatest thing that's ever happened to me ever.
2: I don't fully like, trust you're, it.
0: You're, you're like, I feel like those people go home at night and they just they pick up the revolver and they <laughs> put it in their mouth <laughs> <laughs> and, and just the, give it one blank. And click. They go, <laughs> like, not tonight. Yeah. I'm going to give it one more day and then just put it down and <laughs> drink some long drink and then walk away. Um, that's every time I hear. So I've been, I've only been around a few people and I'm yeah, like, you are, I, you're such a miserable human on the inside. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't fully just believe it. Yeah. Be I don't, yeah. I don't believe it.
1: But if that didn't merit the long drink sponsorship. Then <laughs> I don't know what will.
0: So, but I do think what you, what you're saying is, is kind of the thing I wrote down too, which is like, do what you love and the money will follow. Which I think is one hundred thousand percent true. But right. how much money yes. is completely relative. And you have to decide what is enough. So if it's hey look, I wanna I wanna do I wanna ski or I wanna surf every freaking day of my life and you figure out a way to do that, do you care that you're not gonna be making million exactly. dollars? Does $1 year? does the
2: money matter if you're truly you're happy? Does it matter? But I hate I hate the saying the money will follow. But it will follow. The thing is, is some money will but follow. what else? Okay. Exactly. But, but, that's life it, but that but if you're happy, it doesn't matter how no, it much doesn't. it is. You're right. But that saying, and the way that it's applied for most people you're is right. it will follow a healthy living. Like, and it's like, okay, no, not no. So you and think it's where,
1: misleading is the trouble per, you have with that. Yes.
0: And okay. I don't, th- I think that's our society or the person itself. I think that's their problem. I don't think it's don't necessarily think the saying. I think it's, I, okay, well, you might want to, and I, okay, so you think about like we, where we live, Flower Mound, where I yeah. grew up, right? You grew up.
1: Swinger City. South
0: Lake. Okay. Money, money. Think about those kids who who live that, and they live in a $5 million house, and they live in, they, their first car was a brand new Mercedes Coupe or whatever. And that's what they want, but they also love art. And they're like, but I love drawing. Good luck. You can draw and oh, you could probably make some money, but you're sure as shit not going to live in a $5 million mansion yeah, and yep. you're not going to be driving a Mercedes for the first, like, the, yeah, you could, can you, do you have enough money to pay for rent or a, maybe a small flat and you can pay to eat? Absolutely. But do you really, if you really want the lifestyle you grew up with, no, that's your, your what you're expecting that's where I feel like right. that's where I hate that Your saying. Your expectations yes. have well, to be
1: in line. And I guess one hundred percent
2: I pivot that saying to apply that to whatever it is it that you do on a daily basis. Find the pieces that you love. So I'm in real estate. Sure. I don't wake up in the morning and go, I get to go sell houses today. Yes. Like that that's not the part that necessarily like fires me. I love getting to have high-level financial conversations with people and setting them up in a position that makes sense and puts them in a winning position down there. I love to teach. So for me teaching, I can teach through real estate. Hey, here is that. Mm. Love that sound. Here is a piece of something that I love doing that I can then apply
0: to my job. And I think that's where... Fucking St. Renee walks in with Stephen, I love more, your wife. More beers. I love her too.
1: I'm welcome to share. Hey, Renee, I love you I like 375 points right now. Mm. So I love you 6,000. Oh, shit. Show off. So I actually, I, I believe this chap. You said you believe it. I believe it too. And I, I give this advice a lot. So I opened up a, a second agency. So I have a lot of agents come to me. When they're thinking about doing the same thing and they ask that question, hey, what do you recommend? And I tell them every time. The financial aspect of it was very good. But my quality of life suffered intensely. I was not as happy. I was way more stressed out. And my quality of life decreased by doing it. So you've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Unfortunately, I'm five years in now and, I'm happy to say I'm not Stephen's example from earlier. Life is a lot better, but for the first few years, like, was the money worth it? No, it sucked, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I would rather be happy. Uh, (laughs) You know, with less depending, happy, less stress, right? Now, sometimes. You get in before you know the answer.
2: But are you right? happier now? Well, now, than you were now 100%. Too. Well, see, that's the thing, too. Is right? I, I, that's also the issue I have with to that. Okay, the other issue I have with that saying is it almost implies just chase happiness. Happiness is such a... Influx emotion. <laughs> You've never had that either, have you? Uh,
1: so, listeners out there, <laughs> um, it
2: tastes like horse piss.
1: So, the <laughs> the three of us just cracked open a Dos Equis Ranch Water. <laughs> don't. And uh, I don't think anybody is uh, a fan. Is it safe to say that? Yeah. That yeah. Was, oh, that I wish y'all could see Steven's like. face. Um, stay away from the Dos Equis Ranch Water, guys. I'm
2: going to finish it because.
1: If you are a competitor, we Mama would love a sponsorship. No bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, long drink. We definitely love the long drink. Yeah. The strong was delicious. Um, man, can I taste that? I'm not going to give them a, it's our drink.
1: Get a little in. bit of your COVID. There's another one in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: I, was wait, actually pause this. I'm we'll going to grab the
1: other two. Okay. I'm, Do we have a pause button? I think or y'all talk. I'll be back. Yeah, just uh, go. I know. I'm just sexy. Run.
0: Tell Renee that her drinks weren't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> we love her a little bit less. We though. love
1: you, Renee, but you suck.
0: Ooh. So we, um, I agree, but I think that that's the thing. You have to be careful. People have to have, again, you've got to have the realization or the some kind of expectation of what you're trying to get to. So we talked about this on the regular podcast with time management. Work-life balance was really what we were talking about. So I did have some people come to me. Surprisingly, it was a very heavy book. It was great not book, episode, and we had made some mistakes of not spending enough time with our family. However, there are seasons where you're going to have to make a sacrifice because you are, um, you're going to have to make a sacrifice because if you, if, if you want to get somewhere else. So I wanted,
1: isn't that the whole reason people have kids? I mean, you obviously sacrificed yes. the first, you like, five years of your life. Five? Oh, because <laughs> your kids are younger. Yeah.
0: No, it's like the first 18 years of your life. You have to completely just give away. <laughs> but you guys are
2: making this kid thing sound like a...
0: Oh, it's so great. You should have kids. All the kids. Yeah. At yeah. least... Yeah, all of y'all make it
1: so... At least Marriage for and kids. It's just It's so much fun. You will love it. It's marriage is just, better than kids. It's kind of the best.
0: Marriage without kids is...
1: Can I recommend awesome. a few pets as well?
0: Yes. Don't don't do that.
1: Miniature well, golden doodles, okay. The best. Dogs are okay. Not all dogs.
0: Not all dogs, hell no. So but okay, so for work-life balance, there was a time where I had to knowingly and you, we communicated it. Yeah, it's good, right? It's so good. if you go through stick up on you They you gotta be careful. I yeah, I'm me right now. So I am at the point where, or I was at the point where we had to start a business. Okay, so to start the business, I had to spend a ton of hours on the business. Being there, I had to sacrifice that time with my family in order to get to the work-life balance that I have now, which I can't have at the beginning. And so there's seasons. And so I think that's what everybody has to understand. Just because you love what you're doing does not mean, one, it doesn't mean you're going to have millions and millions of dollars. Totally. Which, for some that totally understand that, understand that like they're. I'm gonna go back to like the beach bum guy, who's like, I know how to. I can. I got enough money to feed myself to take care of my basic needs, and I get to do. I get to surf every day, and that's all I give a shit about. Which is great, but if you want to be a beach bum and have a house in California on the beach that's twenty million dollars, you're probably gonna have to figure something out. Probably gonna have to invent a new surfboard or some shit. Like well. That's just not,
1: to be the antagonist, if we go back two books ago, it worked out for McConaughey. <laughs> God. Wow. So there's another book called Outliers,
0: and yeah, that is yeah, what like, McConaughey Yeah. Is. yeah. yeah. On, uh,
2: that Malcolm Gladwell's so Outliers. I just smoked weed every
1: day and uh, hit the beach, and I don't know, things kind of worked out. Wait, I just traveled around the a country? <laughs> and, you know.
2: Got free motorcycles and drove around. <laughs> like, wait, what? All right, all right. <laughs> then, all right. I, then I signed up for a multi-million-dollar movie contract. Oh, okay. That's if
0: you're that's great. For the struggling yeah, poor yeah, like, story, yeah, like, This ain't it. Yeah, what? Shit.
1: This ain't it. So if y'all have not read Green Lights. Go back and read it. Yeah, Green Lights is great. Skip the Nature Fix.
0: You listen to our podcast on Nature Fix listen go read green lights and listen to the podcast on green lights so no i think we can make a whole episode on just this one saying i agree with you i get what you're saying i i just think it's you just got to have right expectations it's possible yes. it's absolutely possible yes. but do you want to have a family of 7 you want to have 20 kids you want to have a wife you want to have all these things then you you may not get to do what you love to do there may not be enough money, to but that's us. where I say find find the love in what you do.
2: Yes, absolutely. Because I don't care. Okay, you could play video like video games. That's what, if that's what you love doing. I guarantee you, after you've been doing that for five to ten years, you're going to be going shit. I have to spend ten hours on the sticks today just to get content for whatever it is that I'm doing. Like the sticks. That's is gonna that what they call that? them.
1: Yeah, Single life, right there. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah, a, no, get married. Get married. Trust
0: me, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Like, to our episode of on uh, the podcast for work life balance because video games is definitely in there, and that's gonna have to go for a little bit. Oh yeah,
2: it's it's gone all right. Like
0: I, the older I've gotten, I just don't.
2: I still will play video games every now
0: and then, yeah. but like I find
2: myself now, I'm just I'm older. And my attention span is just not there anymore. Hey. I'll go and I'll play for like an hour. I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this now. Like, I like if okay. you're passionate
1: about it and it's what you love. There are kids making millions of dollars on the sticks right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. Stitcher, YouTube. I do think there's some. We live in a really cool age now, more so than ever before.
1: It's so cool right now that
0: you can do almost uh,
2: anything. The
1: cancel and make, culture, yeah. the the country tearing okay. apart. We're not I mean, gonna get into that. It's awesome. Love it.
0: That part is not <laughs> as fun, but there are couples that live on, that live out of a van, out of their Sprinter van. That they yeah. And got, they literally just upload literally shit on Instagram
2: of and like, that's all they do. Yeah. yeah. And they make money off of that's that. That's like, so great. That's my
1: secret life.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, these last two weeks when I went on that family vacation, like if I could just do that, I would, I mean, stop If you could put together
1: a, a couple sentences, sure. Maybe the Instagram life would be for you. I and maybe type it. But Just it's not. show Renee. Oh, yes.
0: 100 percent Yeah, like
1: in a bathing I feel like suit. I
0: could get pretty far with a like a sleep, like a top, like a shirtless thing. No.
1: Let's do it. Oh, you no. So it's not my no, face. No, Maybe no, no. shoulders down. Yeah, there you go. Renee. No, no, not my face. Renee.
0: Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, We're that's in.
1: fine. Nash, we in? We're gonna get her in. You have we, we got two likes I, right I'd here. invest in that.
0: Two subscribers. So
1: the uh the next chapter is financial security. So this would be the one chapter where I would – this would be the only part of the book where I could kind of disagree with the premise because his his myth that he's going after right now is that you get with the company, you stick with the company, you believe in the company, and they're going to take care of you. I don't know if many people believe that anymore. Is that the world that we live in? I don't, I don't think uh, there's many that, people that are – big believers of the corporate culture anymore. That died
2: in the nineties yeah. with the dot com. Right.
1: I think that's, I think that's yeah. pretty much fizzled out where yeah, the you've pensions got, are going away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, you,
2: you look at dying. your, what the average person makes on an entry level position now. And it's like what? 42 grand a year or something like that. Okay. After your 40 to 50 grand of student loan debt for right. your, your yeah, like, and it's not like the corporation is going, yeah, we're going to give you a raise. Right. You're great. Thank you for your loyalty. Like, now,
1: I'll believe in his reality portion of this chapter, which is you're the one that's in control. You have to rely on yourself. Yes, And maybe this was just his way to get to that point. I believe that all day long. You've got to make the right decisions. You've got to be the one that you rely on and you can't just sit. It, you've talked about this before, right? The, the uber religious people that are just sitting there waiting, mm-hmm. right? Take some oh, yeah. damn action in your life, <laughs> yeah. right? It's Same a, it's message. In God's God hands. wants you to. <laughs> God's hands.
0: Yeah, he's like, it is in my hands. I, tell I you what, gave you free will for a freaking reason. <laughs> go jump off a bridge and tell yeah. me if God is there to catch your fall. No, man. you know what? My favorite thing, my favorite one of those is um, said to me by my very religious, great friend who is a preacher and a chaplain. Okay, He's like, just go lock yourself in a room, no food, no water, no yeah. nothing. God will provide. Willie, though, yeah, he did provide. It's called your pantry. Yeah, like, get yeah, your like, ass out of your room yeah, like, and go it, freaking like, eat okay. some food. Yeah, that's but that's his thing, and I yeah. love that. And I'm like, you're in, and, and again, you, yes, I, I wrote that down as well. As far as there's a quote in there that says, "You have the power to change, only you." Right, like you,
1: you have to take action. It's
0: you that has to do it.
1: Before you get too deep on that, I'd love to share a funny little story about your pantry analogy. Mm-hmm. I had a client I sat with last week. He's looking great. He's lost a lot of weight. I hadn't seen him in like four or five months. I was like, dude, what did you do? And he starts telling me about this new diet he's on. But man, I started out extreme. I went on a fast. I had no food and no water for 10 days. And I'm like, really? <laughs> no food and no water? Yeah, man. Ten days. It was legit.
3: Hmm.
1: How
2: are the hallucinations? I'm like, so, uh, you know, have I'm, you seen Naked and Afraid?
1: Let's uh, go, baby. We said the magic words. Ghosts. We are not going to end it wow. or drop it or send it. That was our uh guys. we got guys. to the end yeah. of a previous podcast. Nice. nice. So in my head, I'm over here thinking, I'm pretty sure you can last like three days with no water, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So I, I'm literally no sitting behind my, my desk, and I pull up Google. I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm, three days. Okay. So tell me more about your fast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, I did have a lot of beer.
0: He looked He looked good. So, uh, oh, man. there's. I want to go on a tangent, but we're not going to. So the... Uh, I don't know. I, I The thing that I can say about the whole you thing and that you have the power, I had this conversation with actually an employee and he was talking about, a, a, I was actually a girl and I think girls used to, it's gotten a lot better now with just education of like how health and fitness and everything else works. But growing up, I grew up in a house where it was crazy how I always, like, my mom is still like this where she'll, and she's going to listen to this eventually. So she knows it. It's where, like, you complain about being overweight while you eat, like, half a gallon of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is something that's always driven me insane since I was a little kid. Like, I've always been that mindset of, like, if you are not happy with what you look like, where you're at in life, whatever, then fucking change it. Yeah. Well, it's personal accountability. Do what you can. If you're... If you
2: like eating tubs of ice cream at night, and, yeah, you know, And I do. Don't, yeah, I, I talk about this with my trainer all the time. I'll start to put on weight, and I'm like, oh, I hate this. I'm like, yeah, but I really like Whataburger and Taco Bell. And it's like, what's my, and I usually will get to that point where it's like, okay, nope, I don't like where I'm at, I'm going to have to change some stuff. And then I'll have yep. to switch that diet up a little bit. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to probably do some cardio now. I'm going to have to. Mm-hmm. Go without. let yeah. skip a couple weeks of Whataburger because there's nothing that drives me more insane than watching somebody complain about it, but then not do any of the proper a step, f- like fucking thing. Own to it. change it. Own it. It's fine. Like if, if you if you're comfortable where you're at, don't complain about it unless you're willing to make the changes to mm-hmm. do so.
0: Like, Absolutely no. That's I, and I think that that again, like this book, I you know, and I encouraged Renee to to, to listen to this book. She hasn't yet, but I hope she does. Not because, <laughs> that was a bad time to bring her in, but uh, it's it's just the, there's so much more to this book than just like financial stuff about money. There's a lot of life things yep. that are also ring true like this. Like you, you and only you, if you're not happy with your job, like there's no one making you work there, but you. Correct. I understand that financially you might be in a place where you're like, look, I can't, it's not like. We don't live in a fair, I'm not saying just quit your job. I'm saying just quit, quit your job and go somewhere travel. Else. Yeah, I'm not saying, okay. none of us can McConaughey it. Yeah. So go and do, like, start looking for a job. Yeah. It's amazing how many people I've talked to that are unhappy with where they live or work and or live and whatever. And it's like, well, so what, have you, have you seen
2: at, the reports on what COVID has done to uh, oh, job yeah. retention? Every, uh, people know. are just like skipping and changing career fields left and right yeah. right now nice. <laughs> because a lot of jobs like no you have to come back in the office and people are like nah nah i don't want to oh, yeah. and it's like okay so i can switch to a job that lets me work from home now like
1: we so, stayed we stayed with some friends this week who have been with their jobs for a long time and they were talking about that they're like they're starting to say us we have to come back in and our friend was like mm, i'm not gonna do that yeah <laughs> i'm I don't need to do that. I proved to you for the last year and a half I don't need to, so I'm not going back. Yeah. I'm just like, okay.
0: (laughs) I think it's amazing. Like, I think that you um with the COVID effect, I think um Wyoming, Montana, I think Colorado as well is seeing a population increase. Texas. People are moving. Well, Texas of course, but Texas was before. Right. So but even talking to my cousin who lives in Wyoming, the least populated state in the United States. Is they're frustrated because they love how just remote it is. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you're kind of a native, right. So, but they're getting tons of people and it's not just California. It's other, just random people moving in because they're like, look, I've, I love the mountains, but I was never in a situation where I could work. I had to be there yeah. now. I don't have to be there. So why the hell do I, I live? Can live wherever I want. Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. I can live in Colorado. I can live in the mountains yeah. and now I can and I can do my same job. And so I think that's and I think that's awesome. I think that's super cool that people can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you should also leave T- Fort Worth mainly. <laughs> yeah. <stop laughs> to go live Jackson. where somewhere that's way cooler. Yeah. Temperature Austin. wise Austin. Oh. Go to Austin. It's great. No, don't even go to Austin. That's too many people enough. We've had enough of those people. I don't care if they go to Austin.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Screw Austin. That's fine. You're yeah. right.
0: Like go ahead and get into one gerrymander in Austin. <laughs> Stack that bad
3: boy. <laughs> deep blue.
0: <laughs> get into the deep blue. That's fine. You get, you get one seat, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, man, I think it's up to you. So uh I think another one of the uh oh, actually you know what, Nash, you go.
3: Oh can't put me on the spot like
0: that.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like we brought up the last like few, so I'm just covering chapter heads. hmm I know. Uh, so, I mean, there was a few quotes that I loved. Like, you pick up on that? <laughs>
2: I have to yeah.
0: put that together,
1: <laughs> believe it or not. He's so smart,
0: Nash. I know. He's so
2: uh, smart. Sh- the risk and cost to a program of action, but they are far less than the risk of inaction, JFK. Uh, I think a lot of people get too hung up on everything... That could go wrong or might go wrong or just do it. Muted it. Like, I I think, you know, we talked about that with your podcast a while back. Yep. And it was like. Lots went wrong. Yeah. Still do. But you started. And I think that's the part that I think a lot of people get hung up on. The cost of not doing something far exceeds the risk of doing, uh, of taking action.
1: And most people will sit on the side of inaction. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time they're comfortable yeah. and they're going to stay there.
0: Well, you say they're comfortable, but it was remarkable how many people came, said something to me along the lines of, oh man, you started a podcast. I've always wanted to do that.
1: Well, I even came to you and not, I wanted to start a podcast, but just like, damn, you literally went and figured that out on your own. Like, Wow. Yeah, I, I, mean? I, was,
0: like, I took that more as like a, it was non, more insult. It was more that way, but still <laughs> it the fact a, a that backhanded you, compliment. you yeah. took, you took
1: <laughs> large action and it's, it's impressive because you just, so many people would say, well, I don't know how to do that. But I would be in that boat. Like I have no freaking clue. But you're just like, Hey, I'm gonna figure that out. And you did.
0: Yeah, I, well, and I think that it, what would what was amazing was the people that said, "Man, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted. I've always thought that would be really fun." Okay, cool. And why like, didn't well, you? Man, why didn't you just do it? Yeah. it it costs almost nothing. Like, yeah, literally like three hundred bucks, maybe. You know, like you get that microphone that's a hundred bucks, and that's like the most expensive thing you do. You, everybody's already got a computer, so like you can and you could do it on your damn phone. Yeah, like if you really just want to do it, you could do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that that's... But it's it's hard, right? It is hard. So what you're doing is simple, but it's hard to get out of your comfort zone and go take action and do something different. And what's more important and impressive that you've done is you've actually stuck with it. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. And they also have the fear of failure of, can I keep it going, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want to get into something that I am going to fail at so they never start. And I think that's an impressive thing that you've continued okay. to do. <laughs> okay, I got one here cuz this one made me chuckle when I heard it. Uh, and this is kind
2: of the thinking about your money again. Most people invest in the stock market like they're gambling. Mhm. And I don't know, we made that joke earlier about Dogecoin and I'll use my sister as an example. We were at the office the other day and she's like, "Oh, I found this stock. It's great." <laughs> All right. And I was like, okay, what is it? And she tells me, and I was like, no, no, but like, wh- what's the company? She's like, oh, I don't know. This is the ticker, though. And I got to look it up. It's damn near a penny stock. <laughs> I was like, do you know anything about that stock? And she goes, no, no, no. But it just, like, it looks good. It's got, it, it's got a lot of upside. And I'm like. It's got nothing but upside. Yeah, I, We're sitting there and talking. She's like, man, I'm killing this investing thing. I'm like, Shelby, the market that we're in right now, you could just go put a whole bunch of tickers on a dartboard, blindfold yourself, throw a dart at the dartboard, and odds on you're probably going to get a return on everything right now. That's the market that we're in. Yeah. You don't know shit about what you're investing in. And I don't say that to don't invest but I think a lot of people look at investing, and, and you know, I, I wrote down in you know, a little bullet point there, Robinhood. Mm-hmm. It became so big for us during COVID for people just like, oh, I'm going to day trade.
1: Public yep. enemy number one over That there. was so yeah.
2: like- And assholes. then it shit on itself. Yeah, but that was such a- and yeah, you saw right. it. You saw it too back in the 90s with the dot-com boom. There were tons of people who got into day trading. And so many of them lost their shorts as soon as that market shifted because they didn't know. And I think that's where something that I tell people is invest in what you know and not to, that doesn't mean don't stretch yourself a little bit and don't necessarily learn about new things. Sure. But you also probably need to have some sort of like take the time and learn what you're investing in.
1: Mm -hmm. And I love, he gets into that big time. And I think that's, that's something of the book. that people understand what don't, you're doing. Like, get, do the
2: homework. Yep. Don't just go throwing money at shit just because, oh, this has got a lot of upside. It's like, yeah, okay, what, but what do you know about that company?
0: Well, he talks about Warren Buffett. He talks about people that are, when he's, he's what is it, chapter four now? It's all the high risk, high risk, high reward. Yep. Is what he starts getting into this. It, and, and the investing. No,
1: we're not there yet. Right. Well, I think we We're are hopping around. We're hopping around. Either way, he, he talks about six.
0: with high risk, high reward stuff, which is the the stock market and, and investing. And he talks about like some of these people that are crazy successful investors also can almost tell you just about everything about that damn company.
1: Right. Yes. Like they're not. Well, that's Warren just, Buffett's thing, right? Is he picks, yes. a, picks a few that he fully understands and sticks with it. Do you all know the average rate of return for the average investor? You know what it is?
0: I did, what's it, like three? What's the two? average
1: What's the average return of the market? Seven, eight percent. Seven, seven to ten percent, depending on who you ask. Average investor makes two and a half percent. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And it's because of the trading, getting involved in things I understand, and always chasing. They're always a day think, late. Yeah, what, yeah. Right? They're, they're late. looking for, Selling
2: high, buying low. They're looking for the- <laughs> The, the next best thing. And this is where I would push back on buying his, like, high comp, selling the opposite low. <laughs> of what <laughs> yeah. the average people are doing. <laughs> That's what I always do. <laughs> well, and you know, so we, Gary Keller, uh, CEO of our company. He goes, he always said this about the real estate market. And his thing is you don't know where the top of the market is until you start going down. And you don't know where the bottom of the market is until you start going up. So if you're looking to constantly min-max everything, go, oh, I'm going to sell everything at the top and buy at the bottom, you don't know where those are until it starts going the other direction. Yeah. Yep. So you can still jump in and make good money, but it's like if you would just constantly invest, you're going right. to be in a better position long haul than you would. And that's where I would push back a
1: little bit on this whole compound interest thing. Dollar cost averaging. Yes. It always wins.
2: And Well, he, and he, well, he, he have, does challenge it. Yeah, he's like, but oh, that doesn't. It. And it's like, uh, I mean... Yes, to what he's saying. If you can utilize your money in a more active manner, then yes, you will make more money. But again, this goes back to the general for population. The for person, the average person, go throw a thousand dollars into a mutual fund or an ETF, the diversified ETF, a big cap. You're gonna do. You're gonna outperform the market nine out of ten times. Probably ten out of ten.
1: You like, just injured the brains of so many listeners, right there. I'm just Nash. gonna say
0: that. I can't and will not compl- comment on what you just said, because I, because of my licenses. So, uh,
1: Stephen and I have to check out of this part of the yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys so, can't you I'm
0: guys gonna go ahead, ahead and, and e- ignore this finance chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys
2: can't. We are walking out of the room. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that, I think that's where, and that again, this goes back to entry level versus high level conversations the bulk of all people would be good just putting money away into something. Now, mm-hmm. yes. Once you have a safe amount of savings, then yeah, start looking at, okay, I would love to start flipping houses or whatever you whatever it is you love doing, mm-hmm. you're gonna do better at that if you are actively hands on with it than you would just hands off. Now
0: and what I like but what I what I think that some of the point of this book and part of it is Sometimes you hear people who flip houses and, and or build houses and repair houses for a living and they're like, Man, I need to be in the stock market. It's like, do you? <laughs> because you're an expert at this. Like it's not like you know there's other options to put yeah. you don't have to put your money in the 401k or in some kind of IRA or mutual fund you actually have a skill set where you could probably save some money and flip some houses because yes. you legitimately do that. Yeah. Now, I couldn't do that. But somebody that it's amazing to me, though, that are like that have these skills and certain skills and they're like, well, I man, but I'm not I need to be in the, the doggy coin. Exactly. And it's and like what's Warren Buffett's do you? number one
1: rule. You brought him up. What's his number one rule? I don't know. Don't lose money. And so many people are looking, the grass is always greener, right? So you've got your contractors, like, oh, and you to go get in the market. And then they go get involved with something they don't understand, to Nash's point. Yep. And they get hit with losses and they freak out and they pull out, right? And instead of just riding the roller coaster and staying in, they pull out. And then all of a sudden they get hit with Never losses. Never, ever, ever. Oh, but if you are um, going to pull out, you says, better pray. Says the guy who has no kids. Well, you pull out all the damn time, Nash. <laughs> so, Or I'm just shooting blanks. We don't know. The, <laughs> you know one of the do. two. The, the guy that's great at his craft and is passionate about something, stick to what you know, be successful there, and don't get pulled away by the distractions of, ooh, that shiny object over there looks like I made some money last year. Let me try it out. Well, now well, you're and, on the wrong side of that wave, buddy. Yeah. I think a lot of people get <clears throat> caught up, and this is, I'm going to go
2: back to the, the, the Robin Hood investing, and it is gambling. It's gambling in the sense that go talk to people who do the day trading stuff. It's just like talking to a gambling addict. How many people 100%. only tell you the stories of, oh, this one time I went to Vegas, I won twenty grand. I tell you about the wins. Great. Tell me about the other 15 right. times you were there. Yeah. Vegas keeps the lights on for a reason. Be- Vegas stands and builds those always massive houses. It always wins. Like, and that's where you only hear the big oh I invested in Apple back in the day and da, da 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 like, great. How many other companies did you invest in that went belly up? You know, and that's where I have buddies who bought into Bitcoin. And one of my buddies bought, I think he has two or three whole Bitcoins and bought at like eight and $12,000 dollars. And this is when it was early, early, I say early on, six years ago, whatever Mm -hmm. that was, when it was kind of going up and down and like got up to 3,000 and then spiked and then fell back down again. He just went all in and, you know, 20 grand, bought two Bitcoin. And I was like, I don't have the balls for that. Like, I don't don't have the wherewithal to say I'm going to throw 20 grand into something that I know nothing about. Like, I do think blockchain is the future for financial. I think there's definitely merit to it. I don't understand sure. it in a way that I'm willing to throw my nest egg at it. But if you know it, go for it. Like, I think th- there are, you know, pros and cons there. But you look at it now, and shit, what's Bitcoin at right now? Probably 38, 40. 35, somewhere around 35, Yeah, I think. 30, 40, something like that. <clears throat> He's sitting real pretty.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Like, mm-hmm.
2: paid off for him. But, for now, my Dogecoin... Shit the bed. Good thing I only threw three hundred dollars at it. Like, but I also looked <laughs> at those things as like, ah, it's a gamble. I'm putting it on red or black. Like this is fun money, right? Like, mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah,
1: it's a gamble. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't study it, it's a gamble. Yes. So moving on, to the next chapter, money is power. Myth here is that money is the root of all evil, right? Power and is power. I love that they they bring out the quote. From, from Paul in the Bible because this is where a lot of this comes from is the, the misquote is money is the root of all evil but what Paul actually said is the pursuit of money the love of money love of money is what's evil and I, I like how they break it down in the book is that money is it, it's nothing it's just the emotion that we attach to it and it can be a very good thing or a very bad thing what you do with it Exactly. And I can tell you personally, the only people I've ever encountered that kind of follow that theory of money is evil if, are people that have gotten burned or failed in a large way or have not people. done well with money, I you mean, know? Because he said it. He goes, well, they they never, you turned know, turn to blame the money itself. Exactly. Yes. I've never seen anyone that, you know, I know a lot of very wealthy people and the majority of them, very good people. Mm-hmm. They give a lot. Well, and he, they, he said, he goes,
2: whatever you are as a person, money will just amplify that. Absolutely. If you're a greedy individual and you come into money, you're going to still be a greedy person. If you're a giving person, money just gives you the ability to amplify whatever it is that you are looking to do. Mm-hmm. If you right. love to donate to charity and to be a charitable person, money just gives you the ability to put more money into more charity. Like That, that gives you again, it just amplifies whatever it is that you're looking for. But I think one of the things I took away, this is one of our mutual friends, Stephen, we were growing up and my folks were successful and are successful. And I remember was at one point we were in the backyard and he looked at my mom and goes, I want this. I'll be happy if I have this. And my mom looked at him and goes, if you think this will make you happy, you'll never be happy. Amen. Because if Preach. you're constantly chasing the next TV, the next, oh, I want the biggest pool, I want the biggest house, what's gonna happen is you're gonna get there and you're gonna go, I'm still not happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. 100%. Well, maybe the next, maybe the, around the next bend, the next bend will be. I'll get to the next million. The next million will make me happy. It's never going to do it. It's never going to do it. And I I think that's where that goes back to that, the pursuit of money.
1: And that, I don't know if it's this book or another book, but the point of if you're chasing that money, money's never the answer. You could always make more and more money, but if you don't have the financial stability and awareness, you're just going to spend it all. And you're going to be back in the exact same place. There's going to be no change. Whether you're making 30 grand or 75 grand or 150 grand, you're still a spender and your life's not going to change.
2: What was the study that said that peak happiness is achieved at $70,000? $70, yeah. $70, yeah, $70, I think it's right, somewhere year, right around 70. To it's right around 70. Where they, they did the study on basically the average person will be the most happy at
1: 3,000 happiness points. Yeah. And once you get above <laughs> 70, it doesn't it's really like, right, change. Diminishing returns. Yeah.
2: Which, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be happy, but that kind of provides you with stability and financial security. Yep. Past that point, it's all what you do with it. You know, what sure. what are you going to be like? What is it that you love doing? Do you like to travel? Okay, great. Now go make a hundred grand a year and go travel more. Mm-hmm. That's your happiness. Like, go do whatever it is that you want to do. Go have experiences. And I think that's a big. I know. My folks, it's something I've had conversations with my parents about. They spent most of their younger years constantly chasing the next marquee achievement of like, ooh, if we do this, we'll be happy. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, and my dad goes, in his later years, he started traveling a lot more. I had gone to more countries by the age of like 26 or 27 than he had at 60, and he was looking at me going, you have so many more, experience. and I was like, that's what I value. Like, I value being mm-hmm. able to go and travel and see and and meet new people and, and experience different cultures. That's important to me. Like, that makes me happy. And I think that's where he was, like, he was constantly, like, nose the grindstone. And eventually he looked up and he goes, I'm 60 years old, and
1: having had the experience. Don't
0: you think that's a generational thing too? It is. Absolutely. But don't you think it's because your dad and 100%. because of that generation told guys like us and I oh, like their children of like don't just like experiences are awesome. Like do more while you're young. Well and see he can, didn't he tell he me that old people, bitching. I, never I that. learned I never got him. that message
1: from I learned parents. from him because I, I saw don't think them. I got it from my
0: parents, but I did get it. Like yep. I was told, I don't remember where I was, but I've I've heard. I many think times we definitely before, get the
1: marketing more of have the experiences, live life.
0: I, actually, I can tell you, it was in I was in college, and it was a money class. And even the professor was said and sat down and talked, and was like, "I." He was like, "I experiences. If you're going to spend money, if you're going to blow money, blow money on trips or experiences, life experiences are going to be stuff that you will carry for the rest of your life." Don't blow your money on a new car or on a new unless it's a sprinter van, unless it's a sprinter van. That's an adventure van that's going to create more memories for you. The
2: long haul ends when you die. That was one of the sayings, one of the quotes. Hundred percent, yes. And and basically, I think what he was saying there was, "What are you saving for?" Like, okay, and I think that was a big point in this book was like, okay, great, save, retire with fifty million dollars, and have it when you're seventy-five great like your knees are bad your back is bad are you going to are you going to want to go on a 16 hour flight to go see Tokyo when you're 75 years old like that's
0: great but now you're not allowed because you have covid but coronavirus I, I agree i think that that was a huge takeaway or that's something that's never made a ton of sense to me um yes i agree that or i understand that i'm maybe all of us are really in a in a industry not maybe we are all in an industry Where we're working for ourselves and so retirement has never been or never is like an absolute necessity. I think that's definitely more the old school. Like I don't know that a lot of people think like that as much or maybe they still. That's like one of the lingering effects of the whole like you're going to get a pension. You're going to stay with the company forever.
1: Yep. Nobody
0: believes in that as much anymore, but they still believe in the whole. But when you get to you're going to work your entire life for retirement. Right. And. I, my, even my parents have told me now, same thing as your dad, that they regret and it's that they didn't, again, my dad's an accumulator. He regrets to a point because he's still an accumulator and you can't make that mindset go away. No. But that, like, we went on this two week men, we went on this two week vacation with the kids and they're just like, we've never been to the mountains and, like, spent, well, they've been to the mountains, they've been to Wyoming because we have family there. That's the only reason. But, they were like, you, your kid, my kid's got a passport at like two and four.
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I went. So I mean, it was, it was just insane. Two of my buddies, we went and did Oktoberfest at 25 years old. We got hammered in Munich at Oktoberfest, just drinking beer. Like, But that's also an experience that I yep. would not have that same experience at 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. Like, That's just a different. Sure. You can go do it and still have fun and get to see what Germany is like, and all, but you're not young and 25 and making
0: stupid decisions in a country you've never been to before. And I would even argue that you should still do that at 45, but do you really want to do it at 65 or 75? Cause yeah. that hangover is going to last a year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Cause you at don't, you're eventually going to get over it. Yeah. And nobody wants to see the
2: 65 year old puking on themselves outside of the fair, outside of the, the, I, and, I mean, I
1: did, it was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brother and I hopped on a plane, uh, Two weeks before my wedding, and went running with the bulls in Pamplona. I ain't doing that at sixty five. Yeah, but <laughs> no, like there's right, some shit what, you just gotta what to do now.
2: What what is that experience for you now? Like, oh my that god, that is something you will remember forever. Absolutely.
1: Like, and but I think that's. I, I, where... I don't even. Th- I remember mentally being on a budget. My brother was bitching about food. I'm so hungry. I'm like, we only have some. And like now, the- none of it mattered, but the experience. You yeah. know. Like yeah. yeah, did you we think of, we could have gone over there the, with fifty dollars? Yeah, do you think about the hot dogs and ramen you had to eat for Dude.
2: probably the three months afterwards? We were like, oh, can't, can't go out to the same bars I go out to every other weekend. We now. bunked like, up with
1: we bunked up with two strangers. We literally found two people that spoke Spanish and were like, can we share a flat with y'all? Which is like, it didn't matter if we were sleeping in a damn park. Yeah, it's the experience, and you can't do that shit at seventy. No, no, no. you can't do it. No, I agree. I Live your life, it. and. I, so, in a smart way, you still need to have money in the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Again, he does a great job of doing caveats. So, like, he so he's not proposing you just blow all Correct. your money, but he does talk about. I think one of the ones that I'm trying to find what page it was. Uh, oh, so this is towards the end, I guess. Um, but yeah, I so I'll bring that up here in a minute when we get to it. But yeah, I I agree. I think that. The experiences is, is different, and I think that you're, you know, you just can't, I don't know, the scarcity. The scarcity of, like, man, I've got now, I've got to save everything. I've got to reduce all my expenses as much as possible so that I can live this life, this, this magical life, when I'm 70. Have <laughs> yeah. fun. Have fun, dude. Yeah. Like, How does that make sense? Well, like,
2: so, I've been looking for the last couple of years. I need to just bite the bullet and do it. I want to go to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Do it. like, And that's one that I look at and I go, hey, I love to do that. You
1: have a cash value life insurance policy that you can take money out of anytime. You also have five savings accounts that I've heard about. Take yeah. some money. And I heard spend that too. It. You
0: heard that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we got to sit down about these savings accounts. I don't point. even know
2: where go, all of it is. I need to actually like... Go cuddle a penguin, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, this book did also kind of like make me go back and like, okay, I need to probably need to evaluate where all my money is at because I am much more of that just like... I have X amount of dollars going out every month that I don't even. I just look at them as bills, like they just it goes out of my bank account so that I can't touch them because I won't spend it on stupid shit that
0: way. Yeah, which is good, absolutely good. But then it's it's not a bad idea that maybe I don't know once every two three years you sit down and go, okay, okay, where could I take some, I some of this money and it? actively put it somewhere
2: else yeah. that I have a little bit more?
3: Oh, what's
2: the word I'm looking a for? A return
0: that's oh. not point zero one <laughs> i mean seriously like you could you no know, there's
1: security no no like a freedom
2: more control um more
1: dude i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna blank on this in five minutes but, oh it's this or i'm gonna do it tonight when i go to sleep your cash value life insurance policy is a saves account on steroids you still have control you still have liquidity but you're making actual money in it just give it all to steven he's fine so i will
0: say this um he learned from you agree he, he I, learned
1: from the agent that didn't share with people steven actually got to know him yeah yeah
0: and i sent you him
1: i also know him
0: yeah thanks to um so since we said it or we, we've already talked about it a couple of times on page 178 I, I underlined it
1: oh shit you're getting into that chapter yeah, are where we, are you at? Where we, are we at right are now? Are we just jumping in?
0: No, go, I mean, you can tell, what chapters are we in? Well,
1: all right, so we're going to we're gonna combine six and seven. Okay, let's do so that. So chapter six is high risk, high return. Yep. So six and seven, I think, go together perfectly because chapter seven is self-insurance. That's the myth that he's attacking. So, and this is where Stephen can, can jump in here, but these go really well together because high risk, return essentially what what he's attacking is it's a fool's game. There's no reason to go out there and take all this risk because you're going to incur losses in that game. It's impossible not to. That's the whole reason you're going to get the higher returns. So why don't you take advantage of chapter seven, which is the insurance, okay? And what he's attacking is self-insurance is also a fool's game. No, pay a premium for the good insurance where you get a return, which is why I think it's good to combine these two chapters because – You can take things out like the cash value life insurance and you don't have to take the risk because you're not ever going to have a loss. So if the market is going to return on average eight to 10%, but it's taxable, right? Why don't I go get a five to six and a half percent return with a guarantee on it and no taxes? And I'm going to make that year after year after year forever. Why do I need to risk any money? Because my 8 to 10% return, some years it's going to get hit with a negative 20% or a negative 10%. No matter what it is, once it goes negative, it changes all the numbers. So if if I know for the next 30 years, let's be conservative here. Let's not even go 6.5%. If I know that I can make 5% year after year and on top of that, not pay tax and not have losses, why do I need to take a risk? Why do I need to go put money out there and say, Oh, let's see if we hit the jackpot. Uh, Maybe we'll take a loss. It's dumb. It is just dumb. But that's,
2: to play devil's advocate on this, I think time and place. I mean, I think.
1: But that goes to educated decisions. It's not about high-risk return. It's all about mitigating your loss and taking smart bets.
2: When I was investing at a younger age, you know, I, I sat down with my, you know, my director for my, not CPA, but financial advisor. And he was like, how much risk do you want? And I was like, fuck it.
1: it's your age, all of it. I'm
2: 25 years old. Let's go medium to high risk. I was like, and I'm not, that doesn't mean like go, you know, swing for the fences, but I can take losses right now. Like it's okay. And then as I get older, we can start shifting some of that money and start you know going a little bit more modest returns but right now why not be a little bit more aggressive with it why not take some Because of those he risks? will
1: beat that with math and that's what he does in the book is he shows you is that even though that's how advisors work they play on age but if you run the math out over a longer period of time your average returns are going to overtake and your tax benefits are going to overtake your losses that you incurred so even if i am cuz that's that's modern thinking i'm 25 years old I can take a loss because it doesn't matter. But what they will show you with math, and I'm reading another book that goes even deeper into it, it's built for engineer minds like yours, Nash, is that they will show (laughs) you that over time, it's going to win by getting rid of your losses, which goes back to Buffett's rule number one, don't lose money. So unless you truly know that you've mitigated losses, that you know your investment, you don't have a reason to take a risk. Yeah. So- Go to page 178, Steve, and jump into that.
0: So I think um, something that was, obviously, we, I sell life insurance, and I talk about life insurance a lot, or I see it. And I have seen the, the differences between a what happens when someone passes away or dies unexpectedly, or even expectedly. So they get cancer, they've had cancer for 10 years, they end up passing away. Uh, we we did a I filed a death claim and delivered the check uh, end of June and the guy had had I think lung cancer I believe um, for probably ten years so it wasn't a massive shock like this was not a I can't believe this came out of nowhere no it's it had been ten years it was an older family kids are gone all that stuff um, so but I've seen the difference I've seen the difference between what happens when you have some life insurance or a lot of life insurance either way. And I've seen it when you don't have any. And on page one seventy eight, I underlined it a couple times. It says there is, he says, which, and I, have never seen, I heard it say this bluntly. And I completely agree. There's no difference between a man who abandons his family and a man who doesn't carry life insurance and then passes. Yeah. I mean, Especially without if he, that person. Like you, well, you just left your family. Now you don't have a means of feeding them they don't have a means your income's gone yeah because you fu- you left you abandoned them and then and i think that to me was just so true because i have seen that i've seen both sides of that coin and i've seen it where man you really could put in and, and again and you like the grand scheme big picture for me on any life insurance we can we've talked about dave ramsey you can and i do think there's smarter ways to do and look at life insurance but at the end of the day, I've never had an insured who I give the death benefit check to ask me, was it a term policy or was it a permanent policy? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Now, if you're alive and you have money and you have, or if you have a little bit of money, you're going to spend money. I do think there's smarter ways. but And we can debate this term and perm crap all we want. But nothing will ever convince me that not having life insurance is a smart financial move for your family. It makes yeah. No sense. I've never met a financial advisor that didn't say it. Now, we may disagree on that person. How they much to put into it or how much, permanent yeah. permanent yeah. and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I've never met a dude ever, any financial advisor, who was like, yeah, you should just not put, you should just not buy life insurance.
1: Well, let's just put it out there bluntly. If you don't care about it, you're a selfish asshole.
0: Oh, my God. It's <laughs> well, that simple. The ultimate self-centered I mean, you're, piece of shit. You're a horrible person.
1: Met. Because if you truly don't care about your family then you would be the person that doesn't need it. It's that simple. So if you don't want your spouse to go have to get a second job or move in with the family or have another person raise your children, it is financially irresponsible. And no matter what your excuses are, they don't make sense unless you're a piece of shit. 100%. And. I like what you quoted there because it's a very blunt way of putting it. The person that doesn't have life insurance is the same person that leaves the family in the middle of the night. But you know, when we came, we came back, Steve and I went to Wyoming about a month ago and I came back and I really thought about, you know, what, what do I do? What do I believe in and what are my core values? And it came down to three things. And I think it summed it up in chapter seven here with the self insurance is don't pay unnecessary taxes. Don't lose money and insure the big items. I don't think you should insure everything. If I can afford to pay it out of pocket, I shouldn't have insurance for it. If I have a thousand dollar loss on my car, I should pay it out of pocket because it doesn't make sense to file it on the insurance. But if it's something like me passing away and my family losing my income, if it's something like me becoming disabled and not being able to provide income for my family or a long-term care event, we cannot financially handle those things. It's impossible. I don't care how wealthy you are. It doesn't make sense. There are some things you have to get insurance for and you need to pay a premium for them to make sure that they do their job, which is where I combine chapter six and seven, because when it gets into the permanent life insurance things, if I can mitigate my risks, get rid of losses, not pay taxes on my gains, cover my family in the meantime, have liquidity on my money so that I could take advantage of investments or rental properties, why do I need to go chase a 20% return? I just took care of so many needs with one thing. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about what the market's doing. I don't have to stay up at night with concern because I know that we're taken care of. But AMC, I feel like going to the moon <laughs> is probably a good idea. <laughs> right?
3: But that's okay.
2: That, we, I, I talk about those, the buckets. That's why I look at that as one of 100%. my... 100%. I look at that as a bucket that I just put it there. I don't think about it and it's there
1: it's great. Nash you have to think about it you definitely that is have to the think whole premise I, of the book but, Nash. Yes. You would know that I, if I you guess. read the whole thing
0: <laughs> If you, but see that's. If, I agree with you but you should think about it because you but can that's use that money to yes. uh, then do
2: more things with it but I look at it okay but this kind of goes back to that what I said earlier on building that base enough that you can then play with that like then you can go do the things you want with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But use it in the meantime as a to facilitate having the means to do that. Because now, if I have, say, $50,000 in there after 10, 15 years of paying into it, whatever it is, great, now I can go take 30 grand of that and buy a rental property. Now I can go actively use that money that I've kind of just had there that's growing at a secure rate that I'm not worried about it's not gonna go boom it's not going to go crazy but well, it's gonna, it ain't gonna have, go down but it, but it's gonna have solid consistent returns that I can then go use to do and fund the things that I have that I'm passionate about whenever those opportunities arise yes
1: and that's where I think use your money
2: yes and that's where I think I like this book because it is I wish you would go a little bit more twofold but again this is the problem I have with all books that we read is they're always so like, I want more this information. Is my thesis. Yeah. Like this is my thesis. So we're going to talk about this and only this, which I get. And you need that, but also have those other means of just, okay, safe. And it's there again, the life insurance it's there now. Oh shit. I have a hundred grand in here. My Doze can, coin just yeah, took a shit. <laughs> yeah, like now I can go buy a small business. I can go buy a gas station. I can go, you know, you can go do the things that you want to do with that money because you've put it away and you have it there and you have more fidelity isn't the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> still I'm, I'm, I'm still on this, and it's gonna it's gonna drive me nuts. I'm literally gonna be middle of night. You guys are gonna get the group text. I'm yeah. just like, it was
0: this?
1: <laughs> I got it. So, without turning this into a life insurance segment on this podcast, I want to try and summarize this for the listeners so they get a kind of an understanding of why I think this is so powerful. But so, Nash, let me ask you a question. You go, you want to go buy that business? You want to take 50 grand out of your 401k or your bank account, right? So you pull out fifty grand, right? Yep. What happens to your account balance?
2: Uh, It goes down to whatever you know is left over.
1: Drops by fifty grand, correct? So this is where the life insurance is.
2: You could borrow against it for one and a half percent or whatever.
1: I want to take fifty grand on my life insurance policy. Guess what happens to my balance?
2: Nothing.
1: Not a damn thing. So it's still growing at the rate that the rate of a hundred. My fifty grand, yeah is still growing at the same rate inside my policy. Less the,
2: what, was it one, is it one and a half percent? It,
1: de- the, it, it what's depends the on rate? the policy. Yeah. It, it could be even. Okay. Can't okay. really talk about that. Oh, oh yep, sorry. <laughs> so <Not> specifics.
2: <laughs> it's a minimal
1: interest rate, very small. <laughs> if any at all. So it's still earning interest in my policy. Now I'll go put it in my business. It's earning God knows what interest rate there or my investment property or whatever passion project I have and oh, by the way, I pay my premium on my credit card and get 3% back, I'm now earning three times yep. in three places on the same dollar. Yep. Like, where the hell can you do that? You can't. You can't is the answer, which is, that, to keep this summarized, is such an easy way to think about it on what you can do long-term with these things while also not paying tax on the gain, never having losses, and having access to your money it's unbeatable
2: because fuck the government
1: god bless and somehow the government actually just gave us more flexibility in these things so as of a week ago so breaking news
2: did they they remove the 401k penalty for a little while during
1: they did they did do that for covid but in the life insurance so we have irs guidelines that you can overfund your policy to which allows you to really take advantage of the taxes as of a week ago, they just jacked those numbers up. We can now dump in so much more cash to overfund these things. which is a just a tax shelter? It is a major Massive tax shelter. tax shelter. And now we have a lot more money to play with. Would it go against Huge.
2: capital gains?
1: Would it go against capital gains? Yeah. Well, you don't have to pay you any. You don't have any gains. No, no, no. no There's I'm none. So
2: if I sold an investment property.
1: No. If you sold it and then tried to put it into the life insurance. Yes. No. Okay. You can't so it, it, doesn't, that. it
2: doesn't work like a Roth or the 401k where you do, like, that would be. It works like deductible. a Roth. You're
1: using after tax money.
2: But those to be taxed on it once but, you sell it. Yeah, okay. But those would, it, I think, is it the Roth that goes against your capital gains if you deposit that money? No. Roth does not.
1: Which one? Yeah, is I've it? not heard The of traditional. That. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're not trying to get all insurance here, is. but. You need some, <laughs> but, yeah.
0: but you should look into it. And, um, and, and yes, absolutely. There's very, very there's a reason why, um, there's a whole the world's largest to banks it. use permanent life insurance. Just saying.
1: Yeah. So I love that. That So does this book, book break it down? I don't think they do, do, do they? No, 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 no. Okay. So I'm reading another book right now and it's called how to get your money out of the tax system. And it, obviously this book just plays on one chapter. So it's very minimal. It just kind of, kind of teases people with it. But the sure. the book I'm reading is the same size book in that it's the whole premise, right? Um, but they actually break down those banks and they show you what does Bank of America have in assets? What does Wells Fargo have in assets? And it shows you this tiny piece of the pie, which is in say, real estate or hard assets versus how much of their portfolio is in permanent life insurance. And it is such a large amount that you would just be like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Literally, literally 10 to 15 times the amount they have in hard assets, they carry in permanent life insurance. And that's kind of a bit of the premise of this book is that the banks are playing you. The banks are doing the right. opposite of what they're recommending to you. They're getting you to give them their money and then they're playing a whole different game. Oh, that's game. the whole
0: accumulation
1: deal. Exactly. Give
0: us all of your stuff. Don't look at it. Let it sit. And we're going to do they're something turn very around, different. And don't do anything risky, right? Correct. Like quote unquote risky, and then we're going to go ahead and invest in small
1: businesses and do what yep. we want.
0: Obviously educated, but we're going to go ahead and do and invest and get a high,
1: much higher return than we're going to give you. And they have a significant amount of their assets in permanent life insurance.
0: But for some reason, none of us should do that. Oh, no. Buy a term invest the rest. That's
1: a fool's game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So uh, next chapter, what is... Avoid debt like
1: the plague.
0: Fucking love this one. All right. So... The, uh, there's, and we can get into the specifics of it, but I loved his, uh, consumptive life understanding the difference between debt and liabilities. Yes. Just the, just the general definition, very quick definitions that he wrote out was debt having more liabilities than you do have assets. That's actual true debt, right? Yep. Liabilities is just owing someone, owing something to someone else. And so he then he breaks down liabilities into consumptive liabilities or productive liabilities or was it damaging, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like yep. drugs. Like it was like, look, I could yep. go buy heroin. Porn, gambling, drugs. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that was great. I think one of the things that has always driven me nuts and you know unbelievably, and it kind of blows it kind of goes into the penny saved, which is the next one. But my favorite chapter. The debt one is Um, I can't tell you how many people that I've said like, well, don't, you shouldn't go into debt to um, do this like a boat or buy a, uh, you shouldn't finance certain things. And I get, and I do agree with him and I like how he um, talks about where he is saying, don't, um, if it's going to be a negative liability, right? If it's going to be a true debt, it's not going to bring any income in. I, de- I definitely think that you're going to have to... Oh, never mind. It was right. All right. So I think that it's... Man, I just... I think it's a big, big deal. And, I, and honestly, it makes you, when we go back to paying off houses, paying off your mortgage, or putting 20% down, when you sit down and look at like, what is a... Is this a consumptive liability? So is it something I should probably pay for ahead of time because I'm not going to make any money off this thing? Or... When his example, which again was a very simplified example, but he talks about the lady who wanted to: should she uh, pay off her house, or should she buy more rental, pay off one rental property, or buy multiple rental properties? Yep. And looking at the cash flow behind all that,
1: thinking about the actual numbers, just mind blowing. So, once again, to Nash's point, the this book is it for the masses, or or is it for the people that are good with money? I think my main message from this chapter would be if you are dying for that new iPhone to come out or to get that bigger TV or waiting for the Xbox release, the you're, Xbox in the, you're in the wrong place in your life. Don't your a, your priorities your are so out of whack that you're waiting to buy things
3: mm-hmm. that
1: you think you want, but are going to bring you no value whatsoever. When you truly turn the corner financially is what you just said, is thinking about what am I purchasing that's going to bring me value? What is going to bring me more income into my life? Am I doing things that are going to set up future financial success or am I buying things? And we have a huge problem, especially in our country, of people that want that next shiny object that waste so much damn money. And you and I do this on a daily basis. We look at people's budgets and what they're spending money on. Ugh. And so much of it is wasted. And I, I I can tell you so many people I meet with, they don't even know where the hell their money's going, right? If they tell me their budget, you typically see this humongous gap in income versus expenses. And they're like, well, I don't know where the rest went, but it's not, it's not there. I'm like, yeah. It's because <laughs> you fucking ate out 35 times this <laughs> month and you have a subscription to every single TV service possible. Nash probably <laughs> buys grooming products for his mustache. I mean, who knows? But the point is, is this that- This is wild. It's it just, is, it just, is. Y'all, I know we need, all, we need video at some point, but- It's coming. Nash looks like Ted Lasso right now. Um, and if you haven't watched it, you, need to, that's the, you should stop listening right now and watch that. Yes, and then come back. But your, your to-do list is to get out of that mindset of consuming product and looking for where you can add value in life.
0: And I think that that's where you you get this. It goes back to the reducing expenses. It goes back to the scarcity mentality of just just the the thought that all debt is evil, is pure evil, and it should just be avoided like the plague. Is I think one of his one of his the myths is yep. Just it. Yes, again, there's a caveat there. He's not saying, and we're not saying, like, hey, you should. Buy four cars just because you like cars and have a a note on all of them unless you're going, but, you know, because that's just a a pure consumptive liability. It's more like, okay, if I have the money to pay off my house, should I pay off my house? What makes more sense is can I get a, can I get a 9% return? Maybe. But I'm only paying a 3%. Or should I pay
2: liked I liked him saying, you know, whenever he gives financial advice, he goes, it's macro
0: and micro. Absolutely. He goes, I always say
2: the caveat of maybe. Like, Mm -hmm. what are your goals? And that? where I would disagree with him saying, don't spend the time cutting expenses. Well, maybe don't spend the time cutting expenses just for the sake of cutting expenses. But maybe go look at your finances and say, hey, I ate out. 30 times last month and yeah, I spent that much money. Of course. Hey, maybe I could go put that into something that is going to give me a better return. Like maybe cut the some of The conversation shouldn't be, what
1: and, can I do more to continue eating out 30 times? Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, I can't, I got to eat, what can I do to eat Taco Bell <laughs> twice a day, not
1: once a day? That's so not, I've, I've whatever you like, Taco Bell's cheap and I love it. I've been in business for 10 years and I've always coached. So I've had a lot of team members and interns and people that I've coached that have gone on to agency and I've always told them about how I went. I've I've always been debt free. I've never taken on debt. I never started with debt. And that's always been my message. And now looking at the opportunities and understanding money better, I always tell them like, that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Because if you can... Scale your business faster if the opportunities are there for you to grow. Debt's not evil if you use it the right way.
2: So uh, exactly. Here was a great example for me, and this was this happened to me shit, six years ago. Uh, my HVAC AC went out in my house.
0: The you
1: company, need those in Texas, by the oh, way. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, those are kind of important. It's
0: like water. Yeah. You can only go about seventy two hours without but, air conditioning. Wait. Who I, got with,
2: <laughs> who I got it replaced with? Who I got it with offered a zero percent interest six year note to pay back my twelve thousand dollars HVAC, and I was like, "Did I have the twelve grand that I could have pulled from other places and paid it off all in one lump sum?" Yeah. Why?
1: Why? No reason. I took uh, on a
2: hundred and twenty dollar payment a month, and yes. it's paid off. And it's like so that. Ten grand or whatever. If you go put that somewhere else and let it work for you, now that isn't a. I'm a better position now six years later than had I just pulled that money out.
1: Absolutely. And just no, pay it.
0: you
2: should
1: have paid that. Nash, 100, Nash 100% put that into his savings account and earned 0. .02% in <laughs> yes. the last five years, and now my he's a account? rich man. I get
2: to see that 8-cent return.
0: <laughs> it's,
1: it's in one oh, of his but five. I was going to say That's he laddered it amongst his savings accounts. I just,
2: I, just, <laughs> I just sit on my Wells Fargo account and just jerk it to that 8-cent eight, 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 eight
0: return.
1: Wells Fargo, if you're looking for a sponsorship, <laughs>
0: Nash might be your go-to. No, but
1: no like, I agree.
2: But those are the positions. Again, Is all not all debt is created equal. Correct. And you have to evaluate that and go, what makes sense? Okay, even if they'd offered me 1%, I'm still probably going to take that and then invest that $10,000 into something else. You can do else. so much more with it. Yes. Like, it, it just, it doesn't, again, this goes back to that gray area that it's tough to tell people because people love absolutes. People love to hear, do this and you'll get that. Like, sure, of course. Th- that's safe and it's, it's consistent. But there's a lot of gray there. And I, I, that's where I think, again, this I, it just kind of pushes you to think about money a little differently than I think most people are trained to think about. And that's what I really, I,
1: I did, I, I liked. With that mustache, if you took out billboards like they did in I Love You Man with your oh, real estate oh. business... Dude, talk about a return.
0: Maybe like you would superimpose like with your arm over like Ted Lasso. It couldn't be near oh, a God. school though. Well, no, of course not. No, definitely no, no, not. no, no. That's kind no, of found we're not. We're not at... saying get arrested. Yeah, we're saying <laughs> yeah, sell houses. So next chapter
1: because is... it's going to blend into this one anyway. So this is this was a, a huge one for me, and I've taken this um, to heart. And I want to also kind of put warnings on this chapter. And it's funny, I actually had a conversation with a good friend this morning about this chapter he called me and said hey i saw the book you're reading and i'm actually taking some time off and i just bought it i'd I'd love to talk about it but this chapter is called a penny saved a penny earned Mm -hmm. right and it um what it really gets at is the time value of money and i took this to the extreme which which there's pros and cons with everything, right? Anything in too much is a, is a bad thing. But um, so the idea here is let me give you a simple example. If I'm making $500 an hour, why the hell would I mow my own yard, right? Is start to look for things that you can pay people for their services that they do a good job of, and you do what it, you it comes do in back life. To the economy. Ex- there we go. We're just benefiting people. Right. So the reason I say you have to take this with a grain of salt is you can do it too much. So yes, this is when I went to an extreme with delegating and which was good for my business. I got so much off of my desk. We grew tremendously. I've got God knows how many employees at this point because I kept on delegating and sending stuff out and it was great. To be able to scale stuff, grow the business. It's incredible for you to change your mindset and say, hey, look, I should not be doing this. I shouldn't be cutting my grass. I shouldn't be cleaning my pool. I shouldn't be taking out the trash. However, where I found it to be a negative was once Jocko I- would disagree with you. Bought into it. Screw Jocko. He's too wordy. Once I bought into it seal, so, so much-
2: Take out the trash. <laughs> take out the trash.
1: <laughs> Every once in a while, you should do it for a leadership example, but not- not every day. So where I caught myself doing it too much is that once you buy in so deeply, you start to look for every possible way to say, I should not do that. And I found myself doing it at home. And that's where I caught myself and had to look in the mirror and say, all right, we got to, we got to cool it a little bit because even if I shouldn't be doing it financially, it doesn't mean I shouldn't be doing it relationally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you got to spend <laughs> yeah. the time with your family. You got to do the things with the kids. You got to income is my son bringing me exactly. Right. Now. So you can do it to extremes. And I think this is where you can have marriages fall apart. You can yep. have people be too obsessed with their work because if you buy in too much, it can turn into a negative and you've got to have the awareness to kind of be in between somewhere. But if you can get this concept it can bring you so much value in your life to stop being a penny pincher. Stop saying, oh God, I don't want to pay somebody for that service. Pay for the damn service and then go do something else that you're going to make money on.
2: There's the kicker though.
1: You have to you, go yeah, do... Yeah, like, what, what are, yes. What,
2: by freeing that it time... It doesn't mean up, go take a nap. Or maybe go take a nap.
0: Like, or take a nap I, if you really freaking need a nap.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. You may need a nap. Well, yes.
2: You know, I look at it as cost-benefit analysis. I hate mowing the yard. It's worth the $30 every two weeks to have so Like I, that is worth my enjoyment of not having to do it. Like mm-hmm. I don't get it. But Hey, if you enjoy, there are guys who love yard work like that. Yeah. yeah. Like I, hey, I love mowing my lawn for sure. Do it. I do. Like, I love it. Yeah. Then, but that's something for you. Then do that. But if there's something that you don't enjoy doing, get it off your plate. Get it off mm-hmm. your plate. Yeah, like if, if that is a life suck from you on your, because like I look at this as I work quite a bit. The free time that I do have, Yeah, I would rather not have to do anything and just pay somebody to do that because it's worth just being able to enjoy that time not doing that.
0: Well, and, and I think that goes back to what David was saying with family time because he even brings that example in the book and he does say if you like if you are the kind of person like me who does thoroughly enjoy it's just kind of a I don't know why but it's a peaceful time to just kind of put my headphones on listen to music and mow my lawn but I still try to mow the lawn on weekdays because when comes Saturday Sunday like that's family time yep. and I'm not going to spend an hour and a half two hours just away mowing the lawn it's not it's not a smart thing to do So, if you hate mowing your lawn, spend the money, get it out of the way during the week so that you're not dealing with that shit over the weekend. You should spend that time, even if you're not like bringing in income that's going to offset that. You're at the very least, you're not wasting your time on Saturday. You're spending that time with your family, which you should be doing because you work your ass off making a lot of money Monday through Friday. You're better off spending that 30 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever the hell it is for someone to mow that lawn. Because one, you hate it. Two, it gives you, that's two hours of your day that you can now spend with your kids that you should be spending with your kids because you don't see them on the weekend, on the weekdays that often. I spend it golfing. That's perfect though, but that makes sense and you should do it. Enjoy it while you can. (laughs) (laughs) Get married, have kids. It's so much fun. Four. Four children.
1: Yeah, don't, I wouldn't recommend that exactly. Listen but. to this statistic. According to the Federal Reserve, 40% of Americans spend more money than they earn. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> they spend more than they earn. Hey, 40%. Get your shit together. Jesus
2: Christ. But that, see, that's where I would go back to looking at your finances and Uh what can you cut out. That's where I disagree with that statement. You're you're correct. I I think that comes from a, again, gray area.
1: Once again, I think he is assuming that most of these people have their shit together that are reading this book. Which is
2: assuming way too much. (laughs) That's a good point. That's assuming way too much. That's a good point. I'll give you that. I
0: kind of agree with that, but I kind of disagree. I think that some people look at when they have the capability... They just haven't been shown or yes. haven't been challenged. Yes. So there are some people who are spending some of the 40, not a lot, but some of the 40 are in that position where they're like, I'm spending more money than I make. And so they think the answer is I need to cut expenses when maybe they need to cut some expenses. If they're going out to eat every day, there's something just outlandish, but they could produce
1: But no, okay, way so- more. I'm on Team Nash here because I'll go back to what I said earlier. These people, this 40%, if they're currently spending more than they're making, they're out of touch with reality. Yeah. They have a problem with the way they live their life. Why do you have... And if they make more money, they're going to spend more money. They're always going to be in that 40% because they don't know how to
2: budget. They're going to look for, oh, I just got a big bonus. Oh, now I'm going to go buy a TV. And I'm going to go
0: like...
1: I traded I my old TV. I'm getting Can that, that Sprinter van. Hey, whoa.
0: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the Sprinter. We're about to get to that too here in a second. <laughs> but
2: how many of our friends that we know, it doesn't matter what they make, they're spending more than they make. You know what I mean?
0: Like, Yeah.
2: Th- that income goes up and they're still
0: spending. That's your like, lifestyle is going to go up. Yes. Yes. So I also think that the penny saved myth, something that's that again... Oh, I've alluded to that I, he has a he has a quote on here. It says, um, "We don't go on dream vacations because they cost too much. So as as opposed to uh, creating enough value to pay for our dreams, so I think that there is." It, it kind of kills me sometimes when you see people. Yes, there are things. So maybe you shouldn't go into debt. Maybe you shouldn't buy a boat on a credit card. But if you live near a lake and you want to be and you want to buy a boat, but you got it and you're using it and you're going to create memories. I have talked to people who they really didn't they don't want to do it or they didn't want to go on vacations. They and I think our parents are among that generation where. They say, not, not necessarily your parents. It sounds like your parents did a great job of like, let's create some event of some memories. And my parents did a decent job, but it's just, there's so much there that you, I've talked to people and they're like, well, we don't want to do that because, or we're going to do that and hold off until they get, uh, once the kids are gone. Yeah. Then we're going to buy a boat. Yeah. It's like, but then you, you just lost, or you're not going to go on that vacation. We're not going to, we can't afford to go on a family vacation. You probably can. You just, maybe you had to like, but the, you gotta be a little bit more frugal with certain things, but the, the memories you create now with your children is so much more important than, yes, I'm going to wait. And then you get to, now your kids are in your thirties, forties, they have children and you're like, Hey, let's, we, we bought this boat. Let's come on. Like, I can't, I gotta work. Like I can't, my kids at school,
1: I got kids, like, I, got I got sports, I got yeah.
0: so much going games. on. I can't, they're like, but, but we've been saving for this for 20 years we put all this off so that we can have it now and it's like so we could have it debt free we could have whatever and it's i just i've always struggled with that within reason if you can say man balance but, exactly but if balance. we but if but i want to be able to take my kids on a pontoon boat now yeah i don't own a pontoon boat i'd like to have one at some point we're not in a position right now where we'd be able to use it all the time so we haven't bought one but it's what, the same thing as a pool. What Think about a about a
1: those are trying to
0: cool. try tunes are way better than pontes. Yeah, I would buy like, a try yeah, for sure. Of course. But I don't know if I want to buy it. Do I want to buy a try tune or do I want to buy a sprinter van? Sprinter. van. Cause right now I think I want to buy a sprinter van. It's probably going to take me a year or two to save up.
1: Coach P will help you get there
0: or 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how many thousands of thousands of dollars I want to spend. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like even the sprinter van in, in all honesty, could I spend, you know, you get some people that are like, well, I wouldn't spend 150 grand on a Sprinter van. Not saying you should, but you are, but then some people, but you look at the camper, you look at certain ways. Is there a way you can do it? And then this is going to enable my family to go on more vacations it's, and it, what's spend a little bit less you? money. Man, it, oh, it's yes. important to you? Like but that, it's amazing that, that's, that that's, a, that's important to some people and they won't do it yeah. because they're like, man, I got to save that money. I got to reduce my expenses. I got to save the money but like you just said that you love camping and hiking with your family. Those are pretty inexpensive activities, but you could travel the whole entire country doing those things as your kids grow up and create this ridiculously awesome memory and bond with them. Yeah, but I got to save that money and I'm not going
1: to spend that. It's like, so we've gotten through the whole podcast with saying it without saying it, which means that y'all were is icked out by reading it as much as I was, but the author, the whole book goes back to your soul purpose. 100%. Every time I read it, it was like, (laughs) every time I read it and he he talks about it so much, but it's so airy fairy. It's so, it's so awful. It it goes
2: back to like, do
3: what you love.
2: It's so awful. It's, It's so, but
1: the point is to what Stephen is saying right now is that with everything that we've said for the past how long have we been talking? Two and a half hours? Yes. Guys, I hope y'all were in for the long haul here. This is like We're a, at two hours and seven minutes. This is like a movie, baby. But... It, I'm going to edit it, it down. What's it... Honestly,
2: what? Bar, Barbara and I is early June toes when it was just me and him like meeting somewhere. It'd be like, what, four or five hours? Oh, so absolutely. Would talk. Like It would just be like, we'd have, go for
1: hours. Yeah, some of those were were, were long. Um, I listened to them. So. Oh, no, no. Before no, that. That was when we were recording. Oh. When we weren't recording. It would <laughs> five hours in like, a good brewery. So, but... The awesome. point Our here beer is what? Nothing to do with that: <laughs> Well, we have strong, long drinks. Um, long but drink what you're, what you're saying though is that the whole sole purpose idea is that before you get into the finances, before you start questioning your money, you need to question yourself and you need to figure out why are you doing things, what's making you happy, and what is your purpose? Because once you figure out that answer, the financial stuff starts to sort itself out. yeah. And that's where you need to start. What, and I
2: think that sole purpose could just go back to, what is it that you love?
3: Maybe yeah. not necessarily, because I
2: think w- when you hear the things like, what's your sole purpose? That's such a a huge and profound statement to find. Like, what's my sole purpose? Man, most people spend their entire life trying to figure that out. Like, that that's a little bit too large of, a, a mountain to climb. Oh, no, you can peak. go to the like,
0: website and they'll help you find it. Yeah, that's true.
2: We didn't we didn't do that
1: survey. Stevens's boobs. Boobs. Uh,
2: but hey, with
0: the right finances, you <laughs> awesome. too can buy those. One of the greatest. I'm gonna buy myself some. Uh, oh, for me, don't he just would. to hang out in the shower. So oh, we visuals visuals. <laughs> What, so I've kind of been putting off the sole purpose thing because I do think it it is by far the most um, common or continuous theme throughout the book. And I do think it's important because, like you said, it does tie everything else in. You can't make financial decisions or you shouldn't be making massive financial decisions if you have no direction yeah. at all of what you want. And I have, uh, I was thinking, and she's a girl that used to work for another agent in Grapevine. Um, her story was the boat, the boat, and she's like, we didn't have, we weren't going to put it on a on a loan, and blah 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 blah. It was going to be expensive. And we did the whole thing, but she's like, we ended up doing it. We committed it, did it. She she's like, from the kid, from the time my kids were like in. What it was like middle school to high school, it's like every other weekend because they lived here near next to Great Lake It's Like we spent every other weekend on that freaking boat. I mean, a massive amount of time. So there is no way you could tell someone like that that all that time and memories just that was not a good financial. Well, yeah, but you lost money on it. It cost you money. Who gives a shit? Yeah, like, and that, I just and spent ten years. That's where that sole purpose family. I think is a little bit like I said. That's an elephant.
2: Right. Like how do you how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I think that's a little bit too broad of a thesis to go off of. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit easier to boil it down and say, what is it that you truly enjoy? And that doesn't mean the new iPhone. Maybe, maybe it is tech. Maybe that is like sure. what you love doing. You, you love having a decked out movie theater and having top of the line everything because you love it. And movies. you're going to have
0: friends over and family and you're to have it. movie nights. And Do it. It's just, like,
2: yeah. if, that's, if that's your thing, put money into it. And I think that's kind of where he goes into is it's like, don't, spend frivolously, but at the same time, don't be afraid to spend money because there is value in those things that may not necessarily have a financial gain.
1: Totally. From them. So he I wanna- actually highlighted this part. I found the quote, but <clears throat> I, I love this. He said, I highlight this as well. Um, I never give people micro advice without knowing their macro picture, what yeah. their goals are and what they're trying to accomplish. My answer to micro questions like this is always, it depends. It depends on your macro plan and how you're leveraging your human life value. So back to your boat. It it matters what's important to you. What Mm -hmm. are you trying to get out of life? Yeah, On a a micro level, I tell you,
2: hell no, don't buy a boat. That's like the dumbest investment you could possibly buy because it's a sinkhole. Yep. So is the new iPhone. But if that's what you enjoy doing, you're going to get more value out of that, more that you can't really put a
0: dollar value.
3: Well,
2: and if like, you're not, you're not correct. putting it on
0: a credit card, you yeah. you have the savings for it. You have the money you've, you, you knew that's important to you. So you put that money aside to buy that boat or iPhone or Xbox, or whatever the hell it is. And you did it in an intelligent way because you understood like, this is part of what I want. Like I didn't put it on an 18% credit card. I paid cash for this bitch and I yeah. want, and we're going to use it and we're going to, you know, really put it to the test. Then that's worth it. Um, and I, I think that, but to sit back and go, well, I should just save that money and then maybe when I'm 75 and I'm retired, uh, I'm, I'll buy that boat or I'll buy the new Xbox or whatever the hell. You know, it's yeah. just, which is weird that our generation will be 70 playing video games. It's, it's such a weird, mm. can't, I can't imagine my, um, that's me. Sorry, I hit that button. Um, Twitter <laughs> alert. <laughs> it's cr- <laughs> cricket. So, um You know, I don't know, man. The sole purpose thing, I agree with you. I think it's kind of crazy. I don't understand how you find it. Um, He talks about our natural gifts. Natural gifts are actually in the Bible as well. Um, That's something that's always... I'm not saying that people don't have natural gifts. I have just been always been very perplexed on how do I figure out, honestly, how do I find my natural gifts? Because I don't want to tell myself or think to myself that I have these natural gifts or decide on them... And you and David and Renee and everybody else is like, that's not his natural gift. Like that's not. Yeah. You pick the one. How do you keep from picking the ones you want and not the ones that you actually have? I do believe that everyone is gifted in certain ways and there's things like strengths. It's the strength finder test. There's different things that there's things we're naturally better at. I do believe I have some strengths. I think they're few and far between, but there's some. Uh, You can pick heavy things up. I can and put them back down. Same spot, usually. But so, like, what? How do you prevent that? Like, how do you or how do you find those things? I do. I do believe it's important, and then it could help. But you, you, I, I only answer I can offer up because I truly don't know. Is you got to have, and he does talk about a little bit, you got to have some people. I did go on the website and look at that. And why I canceled it is because it really wasn't a quiz. It was like to try to figure out where you're at right now uh, versus where you think you could be. Yeah. To try, how close are you to finding your sole purpose kind of thing. And the biggest thing it said within that before the test was like, you got to sit down with like your spouse or very close friends and ask these questions. And so I did think about doing that here on the podcast, but I didn't want to do it um, because It would have been another hour and a half. Yeah, and it's just I don't want to make us all. It's just too much low hanging fruit to make fun of each other. So um, I don't think it's a bad thing, and I wouldn't. I would love to do that on off air and, yeah. and ask that, but it's just I think that's such a very difficult but yet important thing to do. As far as finding I strengths think, and gifts I think and finding stuff. strengths though
2: too is not being afraid to try new things.
1: That's what Stephen tells Renee every night. <laughs>
2: it's too easy. It's too easy. Um,
0: it's, all, it's, not, it's not false.
2: But I think it's, it, it's being able to do things that might be slightly uncomfortable and that might be getting on a podcast and talking about topics that you don't feel 100% confident in and going, okay. Right. You know, like having high-level conversations. I would love to say that's a strength of mine. I enjoy having, I don't want to say heated conversations with people, but I love having conversations with people of differing backgrounds because I learn from those experiences. And I'm able to have them without getting caught up or hurt or taking a differing opinion to heart.
1: And that's one of the issues with money right is because it's become so taboo to talk about. Most people won't talk about money so they don't learn from others yeah. and they just follow that one path that they've heard, but it's taboo to talk about it and they don't ever learn other ways, which is why I think it's great that we're talking about this. We've, it, we've been going on for two hours because hopefully it'll light someone up to say, Hey, I've never thought about this and they talk to someone else because most people don't they're scared to talk about money yeah right or talk about
2: their failures with money
1: a hundred percent is that once again goes back to that scarcity mindset if i you know if i win someone else loses and they put themselves in that situation where they don't want to lose yeah it's not about that it's about learning from others yeah We're moving on to the spicy ranch water. And give me one second. Once it is knows much way. better than the Dos Equis yeah, ranch water. Yeah, so my water. friend
0: is a big fan of these. I remembered just a minute ago that you had these. So I've been wanting to try it. So they it are be way better than Dos Equis.
1: No long drink, but they are better than the Dos Equis ranch water. Um, Stephen, this is Mm -hmm. your podcast. You are in charge of this thing. Would you like for me to demolish the 401k for one minute? 100%. Yes. Okay. So guys, this book is broken into nine financial myths that we just went over and Mr. Garrett Gunderson attacks those financial myths and shows you why they're wrong. He hates the 401k so much. <laughs> he, does. That he does. He does. He railed <laughs> on that in every chapter.
2: Every chapter. Like pretty much anytime he had the opportunity but to say like, he, fuck 401ks, he, he did.
1: He like, added a extra chat. What is it? Epilogue? Is, is that epilogue. the correct word? There's You're an right. epilogue to this book <laughs> just on the 401k. So <laughs> let's review some of his highlights here. So number one, limited opportunity for cash flow. So we obviously brought up yeah. the penalty. We brought up the tax consequences of pulling money out. So, not being able to live your true purpose. Um, So, no liquidity. You also have no cash flow. It's just sitting there, it's not actually doing anything for you right now. You are dependent upon the market, right? You don't have any control of this thing, you have a lack of knowledge. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Your HR person told you to put 10% of your paycheck, which you ain't doing 10%. You're probably doing <laughs> three to five if you're good. I've, I've got some people out there doing 10%. Good job. Hey, guess what? You're paying too much in future taxes, uh, but you're dependent on, on the market. You have a lack of knowledge. You don't know what's going on. Underutilization because of the tax deferral, right? So all you're doing right now is you are not just deferring taxes, you're deferring your paycheck, okay? So you're not getting the true money that you should be getting right now. And oh, by the way, what's the tax bracket going to be when you retire? Right now, the way I look at it, taxes are essentially on sale. We know they're going up in four years, What are they going up to? We got no clue. How much debt is our country in? 21-ish trillion dollars. Where's that coming from? My bet's on taxes, but hey, I don't know. Um, So higher tax brackets upon withdrawal. This is one of those big shots in the dark. Steven's got a friend that's going to fight this vigorously, but do you want to set yourself up to live on a minuscule amount of money and say I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket? possibly. Want to be the poor millionaire? Poor millionaire? Absolutely. But do you have any clue what the tax bracket's going to be in the future? No. You absolutely do not. You're taking a bet and you don't know what it's going to be. I'm going to bet that tax brackets are going to be higher. But you also have no kids in the house.
2: I feel like that's a pretty safe bet.
1: You got no kids. That's one of your tax benefits that's gone. If you're doing everything right, you may not have mortgage interest to write off anymore, right? You're going to have less expenses if you're going to follow that means, which means you're going to have less tax breaks. Um, Estate taxes, I think this one's a little bit of a reach for most people, uh, right? Most people aren't going to have to deal with estate taxes. However, 401ks are sitting ducks for estate taxes. But once again, most people won't have to deal with it. Thank you, W. Um, There's no exit strategy right? So most advisors talk about accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. They don't talk about what happens when you try and pull the money out. How are you going to make that money last forever? That's a big problem with the exit strategy on 401ks. Uh, Subject to government change. So one of the big things here is the government set up the 401k. They set it up for the benefit of the civilian How many times has the government truly just put something out there that only helps the individual, right? Guys, all they're doing is they're playing the long game. They know that if you invest and grow your $100,000 to a million dollars, they get to tax the million dollars. They know they're going to be around in 30 to 40 years. They get to reap the benefits of you saving your money, okay? Golden handcuffs. Are you attached and stuck to your job because of what you've accumulated there? A lot of people are going to say yes to that. I've built up this, or maybe I'm not fully vested. Not fully vested yet. So I can't leave. I'm stuck in this miserable job. Hopefully, it's none of our employees. We love (laughs) y'all. Disinvesting, right? So... How are you going to pull the money out? And this is all about the sequence of returns that we talked about. Once you start getting out of the money, right? You've, you've gone through the accumulation phase. Now it's time to start pulling your money out. What happens to the sequence of returns? Do you take a big loss in the first year? Well, maybe you can't take out your 5% that you planned on because you took a big hit. That's a big market risk that you cannot control. Uh, No holistic plan, right? So, You are essentially just following the word on the street. It's the sheep mentality. I'm going to do what everyone else is doing because I don't really know. I don't have a plan. So I'm just going to do what they told me to do. And then the last one, and I think this is a big one, is neglect of stewardship. This is essentially saying it's out of my control. I'm just going to give the money to the people that claim to know what they're doing. Your HR person doesn't know a damn thing about what to do with your money. They're following their handbook, and they're telling you, oh, hey, we're going to give you this much match, but if you can do more, that'd be good for you in the long run. But you don't have control. It goes back to chapter three or four, which is, let's just trust the company. They're going to take care of me, and I'll be fine. And then it's
0: not your fault, though.
1: Exactly. If it goes down, it's not your fault. I just did what everybody told me to do. It feels good to have somebody to blame, but do you really win in that scenario? No. Absolutely not. (laughs) So... Garrett Gunderson says 401k is dead. Everybody, look for other <laughs> ways to invest.
0: So, uh, all right. So that is, we are going to be done with this podcast, uh, this episode. And Say it ain't so. Look, it's a fantastic book. Um, challenges a lot of stuff. Gets you to look at a lot of different things, and and really just focus on. And I think that there and, the, and I hope and I, I pray, honestly, that there are people that would read this book that are in the masses that this can wake up. I think there are a lot of people in the United States that can, that could be woken up by this and treat their finances completely different. That don't have to hear absolutes and that there's some people that have listened to certain things and then they read this, they look at it and they, they realize holy hell i could do some stuff different i could i could treat my money different so hope you guys enjoyed it um if you're still with us god bless you and um we will have uh so there's some changes to the uh to the original podcast to the the normal episode so that'll come out as well here in um uh, next week so enjoyed it thanks guys thanks for you. next month nash david if um, your
1: name is Tiffany, Julie, Jessica, Jessica, please don't write in.
0: T- we do. We're always looking for ideas for books. So if you have any good books that we could, uh, that you suggest you want us to do. But if you suggest a shitty one, we're going to put you on blast. Yes. We will continue to say your name over and over again, but uh, we'll still put a sh- we'll put a show together for it. So um, we will suffer through it. Help us find some good books and uh, for the future months. So take care guys again. And um, have a good rest of your month. Yeah. Read a book. Reading Rainbow.
1: Knowledge is power, bitches. All right. End it. Drop it. Send it. This
0: has been the Beyond Our Service podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, review, tell your friends all about us. This show can be found everywhere major podcasts are available. And if you'd like to reach out, please head over to beyondourservice.com and let us know what you think or find out how you can be a part of the show. See you next time.